Hello again, everyone. I am Tom. I'm Andrea. Welcome back to the other castle. Awesome. I did it. You did it, finally. Nailed it. Yes, first try. What is the other castle? The other castle is our podcast about video games and their storylines. They're insane. Have you guys played video games before? Like, they get crazy. If you haven't, you should check it out. It's fucking wild. (laughs) Well, seeing as we're going into season three, I would hope that people have at least been listening for a little while. Nope. There you go. You know when I want to start a podcast? Like three cycles in. Well, yeah. Do they have established rapport and inside jokes? God, I would hope so by now. Well, you Goombas. Right. We do. (laughs) One or two. Lick it up. All right. So this week, we are doing a game that, in a lot of ways, inspired this show. And Insanity. Yeah. I think it all starts with a stand-up bit by Camille Nanjiani, where he talks about this video game, and that video game is Heavy Rain. And you know him. He is in The Big Sick. He wrote and directed... I don't know if he directed it, actually. I'm sorry. I know he wrote it. No, he wrote it. Yeah, he he didn't direct that. But he's also on Silicon Valley. Yeah, he's... Oh, God. He just got that chain that he was wearing... Either a season or two ago. Right, He's right. He's so good on Silicon Valley. He's wonderful on that uh, show. He just did the Twilight Zone episode yep. for Key and... Uh, or, not, or not Key and Peele, Jordan but Peele. Jordan Peele, yeah. It's his episode where he plays a comedian and Tracy Morgan encourages him in a certain direction. Okay. Yeah, I read the snuff. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I haven't seen the see episode it. yet. It's up, it's up for free on YouTube right now. I've heard, yes. Yeah. So he's wonderful and... I'm a big comedy nerd, so I listen to albums all the time, and I made Tom listen to this because I went, what the fuck is he talking about? Yeah, I had never heard of this game when I heard the stand-up bit about Heavy Rain. And the way he tells it, I mean, he doesn't spoil the game by any means whatsoever. He kind of spoils the first five minutes of it and then just kind of gives a very brief synopsis of the rest. But it's just, he talks about the ridiculousness of this game and how over the top and how it's like ultra-realistic to the point of depressing. Which is fun. Yeah. (laughs) You want to escape your own depression by jumping into someone else's? Like, that's a weird way to cope, but, you know, it's it's a thing, I guess. And for Andrea, it was like an inspiration for like, hey, we should do a comedic podcast about video games and their storylines. And at the end of the of his stand up bit, he talks about putting the storylines of video games in the 80s into manuals, which led to our first episode with Centipede. So, Which is also bonkers. And if you are genuinely just jumping in a bunch of episodes in, yeah. not knowing our jokes and shit, fucking... That's a weird one to start off on, but it's a good one to start off on. That one is a story that takes place entirely in the manual for the game as opposed to within the game because Centipede was made before stories could happen. And I had a fucking meltdown during that one. Yeah. That wasn't wasn't fun for me. You have a tendency to do that. These stress me the fuck out. (laughs) I don't know why I keep doing this. Like you said, I was like, this will be funny. And like eight nervous breakdowns later that are induced by fucking like Life is Strange and Firewatch and shit like that. Oh, right. You just went straight nosedive into some of the heaviest storyline games of all time. Yeah. And they're all coming out now. I don't know why this is happening. (laughs) I don't know who planned this shit out. So... Heavy Rain, special episode for us. We're really excited. Uh, We had never played it, actually, before until kind of recently. Yeah, I think I got it in February of 2019 because I had the flu (laughs) and I was home. That's right. Yeah, I was home for a weekend. I infected the couch, so I was like, I guess I'm not leaving. And I downloaded it and it was a little bit of a rainy day, so I was like, fuck it, let's get moody as shit. (laughs) I'll make some chamomile tea, eat some biscuits, put on my fuzzy slippers, and investigate murder. (laughs) Right. You know, 
every girl's favorite way to fantasy right exactly and the true crime uh genre is quite popular right now oh yeah (laughs) murder is so hot right now murder's so in i love my favorite murder. right i went to see them live (laughs) with all my girlfriends so tom was poking fun at me but yeah i sat and played this game for the first time in one sitting which i don't recommend at all it puts you in a weird mood i mean you really can the whole game from start to finish i think you can do it about five hours if you i know the version i played was only three (laughs) by the time i got to the end of it we'll go into that uh the version you played what probably about five hours i'd say five or six i I do take a lot of time when i'm exploring and i like to try and talk to everyone and i would try and go through a lot of the prompts and things that you can push in the narrative right a couple of the characters i did not give a fuck about and be like i don't care about the extra shit even if there's clues right i just don't want to be you anymore this character is not fun to play as so as you are probably picking up there are a few characters and you play as a few characters throughout the course yeah. of the game let's talk about the structure and kind of where this game came from okay so heavy rain was released as a playstation 3 exclusive in february of 2010 wow wow nine years old yeah Damn, it's it's holding up. It's still very fun. The version we have is the version that was re-released in 2016 for the PlayStation 4. So we do have some updated graphics. It is updated. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's not what it looked like in 2010. That would have been dope. I mean, I can't tell anymore. It's it's kind of all blending together. Like PS3, PS4, yes, there is a difference, but it's not that huge of a difference anymore. Yeah, that's probably why it's so easy for them to update for PS4, too. They go, eh. I would agree. 70% there anyway. So... This was written and directed by David Cage. David Cage. Now, this is a name that I know in the video game world might be um, considered controversial. Should we put a trigger warning? I guess so. Like, the <laughs> way... See, I've never heard of him before this. Now, uh-huh. I, I'm aware of, like, what what are his other games that he has? He Fahrenheit was his first big one. Okay. And that was right before Heavy Rain and... What he did with Fahrenheit was it's a very similar heavy story structure, a lot of multiple choice endings, and he took all his learnings and put them into Heavy Rain, which I, to my, in my world, that's probably the biggest title he's done. Um, since then, in 2013, he did Beyond Two Souls, which is the Ellen Page ghost one. That's the one people kept confusing with Last of Us, right? Yeah, because um, she was on like E3 tours and junkets and gaming things. Doing were... actual gaming press. Yeah, for a different fucking game. And then there was a game that just had a character that looked like her, so they thought that was that game. Exactly. That's fucked up, so, but I like that. Yeah, so she was on the front page of IGN and stuff, but it was just for a different game, but fucking rooster brains over here were like, I see her on a video game thing. I see this video game with her face on it. It's probably the same shit. And we wonder how the whole Sinbad shit for, like, the genie um, oh, thing yeah. happens, you know? like <laughs> Ellen Page is the Berenstein Bears of comics. Yeah, exactly. Video games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was very similar to that. Um, and then, most recently, in 2018, he released Detroit Become Human. Okay, so you've now, heard of this. That's the one that I think that most people would have heard of at this point. Like, I think that was a pretty big title this past year. Huge. Um, it had a great E3 trailer where you play as an android shooting a guy, and you know, there's some element. There's a lot of elements of Blade Runner in there, and Blade Runner just came, re- got re released. Twenty forty nine just came out. Yeah. yeah. Around the same time, around in 2018, so there's a lot of Android shit being cool already. It was a PS4 exclusive, and it got great reviews. I wasn't sold on it. Okay. I haven't played it, but I watched enough demos, and I went, I don't care about this story. Okay. So even if the gameplay's fun as shit, what does that mean? Like, Tetris is fun as shit. There's no story there. If I'm going to play something with no story that's fun as shit, it's going to be Tetris. Right. 
Like, <laughs> but he did those. Um, he was also the composer of Time Cop. Oh, really? Yeah, 1995's Time Cop. I mean, that is a classic game. Well, he composed it. Wait, the movie or the, or the game? The game. Okay, I was going to say, yeah, the, the game is like, that's a great game. Yeah. Okay. Time Cup. Cool. I don't know what that is, but I thought it was funny, so I put it in my note. <laughs> he wrote a 2,000-page script for Heavy Rain. That is so excessive. How do you... I just saw Tom's head spin around. Like, genuinely, we were English majors, and we wrote a lot in college, but a 2,000-page script? That's insane. That's a two... For those who aren't aware, like, about a page a minute-ish. Ballpark. Like, now I'm entirely picturing that, um... That Netflix special Bandersnatch from Black Mirror. Oh, yeah. And how he had, like, had to draw out, like, all the different pathways and all the different things. And I'm just, like, sitting there, like, that is why it's a 2,000-page script. is because, I mean, it's it's four characters, right? It's four full playable characters. Right. And that's, uh, well, we should get into that now, actually. Yeah. So let's talk about Heavy Rain itself and its own structure. Yeah. So that's kind of where we're at, David Cage. He's very big on telling stories. So this is going to be a big-ass story. And, like, I see him being controversial kind of in the way that, like, a Michael Bay is controversial, where there are people that enjoy his work genuinely, but then there are others that kind of see it like, this is just fucking ridiculous. No one's ever compared Michael Bay to David Cage, but we'll take that. Yeah. Okay. That's fine. Um, (laughs) The spectacle's there for sure. Yes, both have their novelty storytelling pieces and they're both bonkers and a bit too much for a lot of people and there are people that love it yeah and there are people that are just like i don't get it and i go why 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 yeah he sees himself as david lynch yeah david cage bonkers man bonkers bonkers man so heavy rain we'll go over a very quick overview before we actually get into the plot so heavy rain is about a serial killer terrorizing what might be the Pacific Northwest? We're not 100% sure. It might be Canada. Something like that. Yeah. And there is a serial killer who's killing young boys with rain. And it is your job to determine who the killer is and bring justice to the world. Is that fair? Without really tying it to anyone? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. So we have four main characters that are playable. And something that is actually really fascinating about this game that I love in the gameplay elements of it is that there is permadeath. Right. Fuck me up. I don't want any bullshit, like, get me out of here, it's okay, press X in 10 seconds. Fuck you, you're dead, you're dead. Yeah. I love you, that you shit. very much die just from fucking up one little quick time event. Like, I hate Mercy <laughs> in Overwatch <laughs> because of Res. Right. I like it when she does it to me, but it always takes too long. Anyway, <laughs> I fucking am so here for permadeath. Right. And when you die, there are genuine consequences. Like, we'll talk about it later, but there are scenes that some of us did not get mm-hmm. because they murdered the shit out of that character accidentally. I, th- Place your bets now, kids. There was no... I... Don't bury the lead. We got bets going on. I know. All right. Bets are closed. It was Tom. Yeah. We have... <laughs> so we have four main characters. And there's one kind of really primary. That's Ethan Mars. He right. is the father. And he is an architect. He's like a, a Brady Bunch. Oh, God, fuck. Mike Brady. Mike like Brady, Mr. yeah. Mr. Brady. Architect with a wife and two little boys who are completely different ethnicities. <laughs> yeah, there, there are... I, I genuinely thought one was like the neighbor kid and one was his son. His, he was basically like... He's so brown. I did not get the fact that that was both of his kids the first time. Like, I had to ask you, I'm like, who's this other kid? And you're like, that they're both his. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. This doesn't make sense, but fine. 
So And they don't I mean, I guess there's adoption and stuff, but they really They don't touch on it. They don't address it if it is the case. No. They just let you go, well, one of them is definitely not his. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like one is German and one's South American. Yeah, one of them definitely looks more Latino. Yeah. Then one's just a white child. Yeah. <laughs> that looks like his parents. Right. They really gave up on one of them. So, like we mentioned, he has two children. One is... Jason! And... Sean! <laughs> Headphone users can send your receipts to Tom and he will reimburse you for that bullshit. <laughs> he also has a wife whose name I don't remember because she has four fucking lines well, yeah. out of the 2,000 page script <laughs> and bounces immediately. <laughs> His wife could not give... Two fucks about shit or dick, and he is the only one that takes guilt for either child. That's true. She gets custody, and it, it, it appears she gets full custody. Anyway, so the game starts out, you're Ethan, you stretch, you brush your teeth, you, we see full ass while you take a shower. For some reason. Full ass. Like, There's a lot of unnecessary nudity in this, though. We get to see most of the characters with their clothes off. Yeah. There's one character you don't see in a shower, and that's it. Yeah. One one of the main characters. It's weird. And then even some side characters just hop in the fucking shower. Yeah. (laughs) We'll get there. So you wake up, you feed your birds, you go out and lay down in the grass. So I wa- so <laughs> to reiterate, I played this game first and then Tom played it maybe a month or two after I did yeah. because I'd been poking him about it and going, no, it's wild. You're going to hate it. I need you to play this. <laughs> and he goes, you're not selling me on it by telling me how you feel about it. And right. I go, no, you don't understand. It's great. So Tom played it and I watched him play through. And he spent, what, eight minutes laying in the grass? <laughs> like it's life is strange and you want a music Right. Cutscene? I wanted it just to hear his inner thoughts about everything. He has no thoughts. He's a fucking idiot. Well, this game does allow you to hear people's thoughts, though, which I thought was a really cool mechanic, which that's one of the neat aspects of the game and kind of the spectacle of the game is some of the controls to it. The controls are very unique, and it doesn't feel like your regular Telltale Life is Strange quick time event. So you, it feels very personal. Yeah. And, like, there's moments where you have to do these quick... You, you say quick-time events, but, like, the way that the buttons appear on the screen is just the same way that they do in quick-time events. Because it's there's complicated holding of buttons where it's like, yes. hold the X, now hold L1, now hold R2, and then square. And you're like, wait, I'm out of fingers. I, I can't reach that now. And they know that. It's like Twister. Yeah, it's a little bit like Twister, yeah. And it's like they, they've made it so that way it is difficult. And I thought that was really neat ways of doing things. I haven't seen kind of those quick time events or even slow time events as some of them are. Yeah. Since like the Grand Theft Auto yoga sequence. That's a very good comparison. Yeah, that's a wonderful comparison. So when you're like holding the, the L and R sticks and mm-hmm. also simultaneously trying to hit your R2 and L2 to breathe or some shit like that. Yeah. There's... There's strange pieces of the game that do feel like that mechanically. Totally. I, I never picked up on that, but that's a good call. Immediately went, God damn it, Michael, get your girl back. I love watching Tom just flop around in the sun going, no, there's murder to be solved. And you went, I think they're going to put a butterfly back there. Oh, yeah, I see it. I didn't know there was murder to be solved yet. Really? No, I knew nothing about this game. Oh, shit. Yeah. Like, I'd heard the Camille Nanjiani bit, but that was like years ago at this point. It didn't register. So I didn't recall any of it. I get you. And I really kind of went into this game very, very fresh. <laughs> that was very Extremely clear. Extremely fresh. And that, and honestly, the tutorial is so fucking boring. I was just dying for you to get to the dying. Yeah. 
So <laughs> it's one of your boys' birthdays and you have to go around and help make the table. And I was a shithead husband. I watched TV until eventually she started yelling at me to get the plates and stuff. And she makes fun of me for sitting in the grass. Well, I think it's funny. <laughs> Yours was like just loose leaf chaos. Right. So you do that. It's very cute. It's boring. It's slow as fuck. I thought the tutorial was way too long. And the next day, you as a family go to the mall. One of you is wearing the child as a hat. <laughs> it's on his shoulders. Hat, baby. Hat, baby. And you and Jason get separated. You're oh, supposed to be no. watching him. What? Ha well, how does he get separated? It's the most complicated way of getting separated. Daddy, will you buy me a balloon? And that's a pretty accurate representation of the voice. I'm not being glib or disrespectful. No, this has some of the worst voice acting you've ever heard in your life. It is it. so awful. It's not so just in terms of like the sounds or tones of voices, the deliveries of a lot of the lines and just... It's the, very bad. It's one of those situations like like the movie Birdemic where it fails on so many levels that it kind of like transforms itself into being good because it's so bad. Or a Michael Bay movie. Or a Michael Bay movie. Yeah, exactly. Except for Pain and Gain, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, Pain and Gain's an outlier. But like, yeah. And Bad Boys too. That's fair. Yeah. But yeah, other than that, it's like, this is bonkers. I guess we're just going to have fun now. <laughs> That's heavy Rain's voice acting. So it's... He wants a balloon from this clown, so you buy him a balloon. Because you cave the moment your child shows any interest in something. And he grabs the balloon and takes off, and the clown's like, well, now you got to pay me. And for whatever reason, you can't find your wallet in the four pockets that you have. You can always feel your wallet on you. No matter where it is. No matter where it is. And, you know, as a guy, usually you stick them in the same pocket. It's not like... You put your stuff in a purse and you have to dig around and go, right. well, I know it feels like a rectangle. I'll just stick my hand in here until I find it. You know what side of your ass it's on. Yeah. It doesn't change. And I feel like no matter what you do, it's always the last pocket you check that the wallet's going to be in in the game, right? It has to be, but also you can just fuck. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so he tosses the clown a 20 and then <laughs> for the $2 for balloon. The $2, which, $2 balloon still. In 2010 money? Yeah. That's like $48. Oh my gosh. In this economy? In this economy? Well, in that economy? <sighs> but Jason is carrying around a big ass red balloon and you still lose him. It's like a it's Sunday at the mall. It's been 12 seconds. It's not like it's Black Friday at the mall and there's right. crowds screaming and pushing. It's just like a Saturday morning at the mall. I mean, it is bizarrely crowded. Yeah. But I think that's just what they think American. Okay, so that's something else too. Is David Cage is European? They are what French, right? Yes, David Cage is from France. They're from France, and so this is their representation of what they think America is. By the way, malls and death. Yeah. So there's just all these serial killers running around, and the malls are entirely crowded with serial killers. And, yeah, so this kid, for whatever reason, goes outside the mall and across the street to, like, a stationary store. You know how every eight-year-old boy walks by a video game store, a magic store, and a comic book store, and an indoor carousel and goes, right. yo, there's some dope-ass lined ruled paper over there. <laughs> Let's fucking go. I gotta I... get my graphing paper on also, now. Also, he has no money. He's, like, eight years old. <laughs> what's your fucking plan? Right. What's your mission? Yeah. Jason, why? 
So Ethan goes and he sees his kid like outside across the street and calls for him to come. Okay, also pause. He left the fucking building. Yeah, he left the mall. As a kid, entirely. Would you you be like, that's acceptable? Or like, you have a sense of like, there's a wall. I shouldn't fucking cross it. Like, genuinely, the moment he receives the balloon, it's like he's possessed by something. Like, that's how I saw it in the game. I was like, this kid isn't even himself anymore. He's not responding to his dad. He's just off on this fucking adventure that, like, doesn't make any sense to anybody. And that's that's kind of classic it iconography, which I can also appreciate is, like, the clown had the red balloon and then the kid disappeared and died. Right. Stephen King is shook. So, yeah, you... Ethan calls for Jason to come running across the street to him. Car coming right at him. Now, here was the part that really just got to me. Go for it, sis. Go. Is Ethan jumps out and, like, does this, like, roll move and grabs Jason and has him completely hugged and his back gets, like, Ethan's back gets hit by the car. Yeah, so Ethan's kind of become, a like, a shell for his son. Yeah. And his son is, like, the the little spoon and he's the big spoon so he, his body should be taking the brunt of the impact of the car is that what happens yeah and somehow but... jason dies <laughs> through his dad through his dad like in every sense of the like what happened nothing should have happened to jason what if he did a full rotation and rolled out so jason's head got stuck under a wheel something like that had to have happened because they'd cut away they don't show a dead kid bummer we do not see a dead child in this at any point but at the same time like i I was confused i was like wait so like is are they okay like did ethan die is the game over you just look at me you go no jason's dad i go how (laughs) yeah you did get really mad and i was like you are being too aggressive for this game your energy does not fit the situation once again. I did not understand how Jason died, but he died because he got quote unquote hit by a car. So then it just cuts to two years later. It's kind of a drastic jump too. It is because their family was like quite successful looking. Yeah. Like they had a very nice house. Like it was a very nice modern house. Lots of angles. They had a bird. Oh yeah. And him being an architect, I'm sure he designed it and it was like all in a modern style. Now he lives in this like dump ass apartment. When I say divorced dad apartment, I think everyone knows exactly what we're talking about. Got And like depressed divorced dad apartment. Yeah. Not and- like I'm cool now I'm single divorced dad apartment. This is like Oh no, your life went to shit divorced dad apartment. It's just saying I only need the square footage because I get my kids every other weekend. Yeah, well, kid Kid, right, because the one's dead as fuck. Because his other kid's dead. And so, like, Ethan tries even talking to his kid because it's like, we get the next time we see him is like on custody day or whatever. Yeah, he picks picks Sean up from school Mm -hmm. in his bunker ass car right Looks he's like just an, got this little jalopy rolling yeah, around it's 2010 he's still driving a 94 civic yeah and it was those boxy <laughs> civics and it was like maroon it's not even cute it's real rough and he's just like hey bud how you doing and sean clearly does not give a fuck about his dad sean just hates everything and everyone and he's like what eight nine years old yeah about that so he's probably close to what the age his brother was when his brother died right they're probably about two years apart ballpark so he's an emo eighth year old which is just really sad to see he's just so disaffected ethan's like how are your friends he goes i don't have friends i'm too sad (laughs) okay and then here and also he sounds about the same age as i do this is a point in the story where we made very different decisions I set 
my son to bed without supper. Oh, right. And he got very mad at me. <laughs> and I thought it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> because there's a timetable that says, like, 5 o'clock homework, 6 o'clock dinner, 7 o'clock TV, or some brush your teeth or some shit, bed by 8. And it was, like, 5 o'clock. And I went, you're going to bed. Yeah, I didn't find that list to, like, 8.45. And I hadn't even gotten past the first, like, 5 o'clock one, so. <laughs> I just thought it'd be really funny to send him to bed without supper at, like, 5. Like, it's still light outside. <laughs> He's been home for maybe an hour just and a half. Just the most asshole parent imaginable. Yeah, like, I don't know what... Nothing says, I wish your mom was still here, than, like, I guess you'll just go to bed? <laughs> I don't know what to do with you. Yeah. Go to bed. Yeah. So Tom actually fed his child like a I monster. I did feed my child, got him to do his homework. I said, nah, school's for fools. All right. And Take you got nap. the best ending. I did the best ending. It's true. Yeah. You got the best ending. Yep. Happily ever after. I'm going to keep reminding you of all the times that she did something awful. I thought it was funny. And managed to get the best ending. And me, I was nice. I was kind. I got one of the main characters murdered. Like, really fast. And we'll get there. So, Ethan is like, cool. A kid's sad. Go to bed. It'll probably be okay. And there's hints about a figure in town called the Origami Killer. Or as the game characters would call it. The origami killer. Fucking nails on a chalkboard. I can't stand it. There's only like two characters that call it the origami killer too. But they won't fucking stop saying it. Some of them say origami, but two of them say origami. It's just terrible. So we know that the origami killer is around and we're like, oh shit. And this is the first time in the game where after the sequence we jump into a new character. Mm -hmm. So we go to Scott Shelby. I loved Scott Shelby. He looks like a character from, uh, fuck, Sopranos. From the Sopranos? Yeah, just big and kind of Italian and lumbering, but also kind of dadly. Like, there's a family element to him where he just seems like he would hug you if you asked. Okay. Now, there's this author. His name was Robert B. Parker. He passed away a few years ago, but he had a detective series called Spencer, and there was a TV show called Spencer for Hire. That's who this character reminded me of, was that character from his book series. Okay. So I was like immediately drawn to him because I love Spencer, the, the book series and stuff. So I was like, oh, this guy like reminds me of him. He's like just this mm. big gruff dude. Like you don't want to fuck with him ever because you can tell he can hold his own, but he also doesn't look like he goes out looking for fights. Right. You know, I, I, I dug on Scott Shelby just like immediately as a private investigator, just as a dude, like he was, he was awesome. Yeah. So like you mentioned, he's a private investigator. He is a retired cop. So he was on the force and then went, I got... I gotta do this on my own. I'm getting too old for this old. shit. Fuck, that's what I was thinking of. I was like, I can't get there, but I see it in my head. Fuck, yes. So he got too Get old all Murtaugh about it. Yeah, he, he Murtaugh himself out of his career. And now he's a PI, and he has asthma. Mm -hmm. He's a sweetheart. He lives alone. He is hired by the families who've been affected by the origami killer to investigate. Right. The origami killer specifically targets young boys. I think they're the ages between like nine and 14 or so. Yeah, they're all very similar age. Yeah. And they all die in drownings. Essentially, the MO is there's a kidnapping that occurs and then three days later they're is a body that shows up that has been drowned. And it always happens during rainstorms. Yes. And the body is always found in the wasteland with an orchid in one hand and an origami figure in the other. Right. So it's very ritualistic. It's really creepy. Mm -hmm. And the families were like, we need to get someone to fucking do this because he's heading up 
a bunch of families. There's like six or seven families. Yeah, there's a lot of dead kids. This has been going on for about two years, and they say it's like every fall this yeah. keeps happening. Which, again, remember, we jumped forward in time. Right. Two years. And it's not very specific on where it is, so don't get hung up on like Seattle. and. Yeah, that chill. doesn't really matter. Again, this is... France making a game about America, so they don't understand the geography necessarily. Yeah, so when we see Scott Shelby, he is rolling up on a seedy-ass motel, Mm -hmm. and he knocks on the door, and a sex worker answers, and she's just like, fuck, all right, fine, 50 bucks on the table, I got you, and yeah. He's like, I actually just want to talk about your dead son. And she's like, what the fuck, dude? Yeah. I'm clearly not in a place to have this conversation. <laughs> Which for a man who's hired by some of the family member, it's just like, some of these people just don't want to fucking talk about totally their dead kid. But like, also like, they don't even want to help try to catch this guy. They're so broken by it that they can't deal. Yeah. I think is more or less, but to the way I kept seeing it was there's, they're scared of something. Yeah. They, they, there's something about the killer that scares them still. And Scott Shelby never actually specifies which parent hired him, so then maybe they're hiding in a shroud of mystery. Or... Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, so he eventually gets to talk to her, is like, well, here's my card. She puts up a fight. She's like, not having it. She's like, fucking my kid died. His dad left. Like, I'm clearly not in a good place. You're yeah, sitting where I'm I live. selling myself right now. This is a studio. Yeah. This shit sucks. It's a walk-up. Like, this is my home office. Yeah. <laughs> Working from home isn't as fabulous in this industry. No. But, you know, she's making it work. And Scott's like, all right, cool. I got my 10 minutes. Here's my card. Good luck. As he's leaving, this big ass fucking bald white dude rolls up. And he's clearly here to beat the shit out of the sex worker. Right. Her name is Lauren, by the way. And Scott's like, I have to do the right thing. And fucking comes in. Hero as shit. Yeah. He bumbles a lot. Oh, but the, the guy's a lot younger and stronger. Yeah. Yeah, Scott's very... Again, he's like a retired cop, so he yeah. retires, what, 55, 60? Yeah. PIs until, like, his 70s? Yeah. He's probably, like, 63. I was going to put him at 50. Okay. Yeah. I just feel like he... he retired little, young. Yeah. He's got asthma that probably ages you a bit, but Yeah. He beats up this guy, gets the guy to leave Lauren alone, and Lauren's like, dope, you saved me from getting my ass beat by a dude. Now I'll give you information. Let's talk about my kid. Yeah. (laughs) And Lauren's like, we should be friends. And Scott's like, well, I support you as a woman. Mm -hmm. Good luck. And she goes, nope, I'm a part of this. Right. I'm in this investigation. Yeah. Which is, you know, kind of cute. I guess so. Get it, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Next, something rough happens. What happens? Ethan loses another goddamn baby. Oh my god, that's right. Yeah. So, we only meet two characters before the second kid goes missing. Yep. Now Ethan has his second kid go missing. He's two for two, and that's such a bad batting average for babies going missing. This is the worst father in the history of fathers. Well, okay, this might be a separate debate, but do you think he's a bad father? Yes. Because of the body count? Yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, he turned his back on one kid for 12 seconds, and it died. (laughs) Yeah. It's not like it's a plant that you, like, turn away from the sun that dies. Exactly. Like, all right. And then the other kid, I mean, that one's really ambiguous because he started having blackouts after the first kid died. Yeah. Um. He's seeing a psychiatrist and stuff. So with this one, I mean, it's a little less his fault, but still, like, entirely his fault. They're at, like, the playground, and then he blacks out and wakes up in, like, an alley just holding an origami figure and his kid's gone. 
it's, it's super pouring down up. rain. Yeah. And it's sad because like the last thing in my sequence was you put the kid on the carousel. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that, what it was. Okay, yeah. so that might be canonical. To all yeah, and I think the spinning like made him dizzy and like black out or some shit. Yeah, it's funny because like if you walk around the park, you can see people making out behind the carousel, and like you can play with all the rides and stuff with your kid. I think I did this on the seesaw with mm-hmm. him. And, like I think I bought him a candy too from a stranger. Yeah, yeah, you can do all sorts of fun little things. So you shouldn't buy candy from like a stranger. This wasn't like a kid selling chocolate bars. This was like a teenager with like weird Ziploc bags of candy. <laughs> That's oh true. my god, I bought him drugs. Probably, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Well, CBD is good for you. <laughs> so, yeah, you lose your kid at the park. And then um, you just because you wake up with the origami in your hand, you immediately are like, great, the origami killer has him. Cool. I just read about this. This afternoon. Yeah. I am clearly the next victim of this serial killer that is at, at large right now. This shit sucks. So does... Like, he doesn't go to the cops, though, does he? He does report it to the police. He does report it to the police. Because the next time we catch up with him, he is talking to Officer Norman Jaden. Segway, segway, segway. That was a pretty good segue, because you're right. This is My playable least... character number three. I hate Norman Jaden. He's such a piece of trash. And, like, I don't necessarily hate Norman Jaden, but... Because you didn't play it right. I also... So, anyway, so, Officer Norman... He, uh... Investigator? Investigator Norman. So he reminded me a lot of Cole Sprouse from L.A. Noir in a lot of ways. Which I rage quit because of boredom. Yes, go yeah. on. Uh, <laughs> he just, like, his scenes were all very investigative. It's like, wander the crime scene and scan try to... Scan this. He has these weird, like... AR glasses and gloves, so it manipulate. I, I don't. Can you explain it better? No. Yeah. Norman Jaden is an investigator with the police. He's like a high-ranking officer because they have him travel to this precinct to look into this case. Okay. Um, the local precinct has been trying at this case the last two years, and they have to phone a friend. Norman Jaden comes in. He has these AR scanning glasses and a matching glove that are synced where he can manipulate crime scenes and scan things and look for evidence and track evidence. It's... He's Batman. Yeah, it's very Batman, especially if you've played the Batman Telltale series games where there are investigative quick time events. Yeah. It's exactly like that, but tedious as fuck. Yeah. He's so tedious. And, like, he has this bullshit late 90s haircut, which was already outdated in 2010. <laughs> Straight down the middle, little bowl cut. Think fucking Boy Meets World, but, like, not in the cute way, and it wasn't Corey. It was fucking Sean. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And he talks like the lost Affleck brother got hit in the face. <laughs> it's true. He weirdly has a Boston accent. It's like, and not even a good Boston accent. It's, like, a bad fake Boston accent. It's... It slips in and out. It's Boston accents done by people who are not Americans. Right. I think they were Canadian, actually, all the voice actors. Yeah, because David Cage is French, so I believe he did either get people who are fluent in French or could speak French so they could do a translation, but it's very clear English is not necessarily a native or primary language for all of the voice actors for this game in English. The 2,000-page script was not written in English. (laughs) Yeah. So a lot of the translations are very faulty. Just a lot of mailed yeah. <laughs> scribbled between lines. So he's awful. And he just scans shit. And he's partnered up with this guy that looks exactly like your brother, Darren. Yeah, that's true. That, that, but that guy, I liked him. I like him more than Darren. Wow. <laughs> my brother. It's my brother. It's true. I'm allowed to say this. <laughs> um, so he gets partnered up with 
Blake Carter, mm. who is a hot shot detective oh, yeah. with a hot temper. Ladies. I like him a lot. He's such a trash bag. I liked him. They're both trash bags. They are. I hate all the cops in this game. They're all pretty, like, just cocky cops. Yeah. Again, it's just what they see cops in America being like. Right. Just cocky. Um, Hot shots. Very, it, yeah, very law and order inspired arrogance. Yeah. We are so smart. Yeah. And I it, just want to flip a table and roll my sleeves up. Like, after Norman will give, like, a very well-researched and detailed, like, plan of attack. You'd be like, huh, we should just be out there trying to find the guy. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that was what this plan that I just detailed for you was about. And he's <laughs> like, yeah, just hit the streets, man. He's like, I literally pulled up a map. <laughs> That's I'm like... This, this area is where I'm saying he lives based on evidence. He goes, what are we going to do? Walk that whole area? It's your fucking job. <laughs> People are literally dying. You I shithead. loved him so much. He's the worst. He was great. <laughs> so yeah, so Norman comes in, he's getting settled in the precinct, and they do a press briefing on the origami killer mm -hmm. that kind of goes over. It's an exposition dump, which is great. I don't think you watched all of it. No, because I got bored. It goes through a lot of, like, MO stuff. And then <laughs> you end up being Norman talking to Ethan and being like, when was the last time you saw your kid? And you're like, he's like, like, five or six or seven. It gives you so many options and they all blur together just enough that you can get all of them wrong. Right. Because it'll be like, what was your kid's shirt? And it doesn't necessarily drive you towards his shirt was blue or his shirt was green. It just has equal opportunities to pick a color of his shirt. Right. You're probably wrong. This, this does not matter, but I was very upset I couldn't remember what my fucking kid was wearing. And I think that was the importance of the scene. Okay. Is that is what happens to parents, because they weren't thinking of that. When, they're, when yeah. you're leaving the house, you're not thinking, oh, my kid's going to get kidnapped today. I need to memorize what they were wearing. And what the time was. like. Yeah. I don't think you can check your watch, but you have, you have a ballpark time of like 4 to like 7.30 to pick from of when he went to disappear. Who's constantly checking their watch all day long, especially like when you're out of the park with the kid. Yeah, when you're supposed to be giving a shit about your kid. Yeah, kind of stuff. Like, I think that was the, that was what the scene was trying to like convey is like, this is what parents go through when their kids go missing. I get you. Yeah. So I just think it's funny because it clearly gives you the opportunity to fuck up really bad. Oh, yeah. But thankfully there's not really consequences. There's no real consequences, at yeah. least in this. So you uh, get your practice out now yeah. <laughs> for when your kids really get kidnapped. You can give accurate descriptions. Yes. We'll write down your child's wardrobe of every day. Constant vigilance. Yes. I'm wearing a shirt. So if I get kidnapped, let them know. That's why we only buy black clothing. <laughs> she dresses like a goth that's way too old for this shit <laughs> and has not caught the memo yet. It's just so we always know what they were wearing when they disappeared. Tom dresses like he's still in South California. What state were we from? South California. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> so after you do this insane mind game of trying to remember what your child looked like and realizing you're a bad virtual parent, <laughs> you get to see your other half that left you two years ago when you killed the first kid. Right. Who just goes, what happened? What now? <laughs> She's clearly so sick of talking to cops after a kid disappears off the face of the earth with this specific man she said bitch we broke up and you're still pulling me into this shit why yeah yeah she hates him she held it together but you could tell the, you could definitely that bubbling tell. underneath the surface 
she was ready to just rage quit life. And it was like, you're going to feel guilt as the character, but we're going to sprinkle in the fact that other people relied on you and you let them down. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of great. I like it. I like it a lot. That kind of sucks. And you go home and you get a letter. From the origami killer. Anonymous. Oh, no. <laughs> you don't really know. <laughs> He but. doesn't sign it like XOXO <laughs> Origami Killer. Origami Killer. Origami Killer. And inside is a ticket for a locker at a train station. Ooh. I know. So sexy and mysterious. Especially because, like, who has lockers at train stations that, like, you can just hold forever? I That always is, like, one of those mysteries I've never understood when, in movies and shit when they're like, oh, we've had the key to this locker at the train station for 40 years. Like, oh, they yeah. switched that shit out. Yeah, they did that in Runaways. Yeah, right? The, yeah. With, with uh, Molly. Molly's p- parents, yeah. Yeah, she got her, like, VHS tape from her parents, and they clearly have died, like, what, 12 years ago? Yeah. 15 years ago, something like that? She was, like, a little kid when she died. No one in LA can leave anything in a locker for more than two days without it getting busted open. Right? What like, the fuck? I did a escape room activity where you had to bust into one of those lockers at, like, a train <laughs> station. That shit is very easy to break into. Yeah, I don't... Okay, anyway... Beside the point, it's just things that movies and TV shows and video games now apparently think happens. Yeah. Literally never does. No. So you go to a train station, and this is one of my favorite sequences, is Ethan has a fucking meltdown. Well, because ever since he lost his kid in a crowded mall, he's become agoraphobic. Yeah, which I get. Yeah, so crowds freak him out. And the scene is pretty neat how it all comes together. So you're in this crowded ass train station and he starts freaking out. The whole place like turns essentially black and white, right? Yeah. And everybody freezes and <laughs> you walk through and you can see like just this red balloon like going through the crowd and oh, stuff. So you're like trying. So sad. So he's thinking he sees Jason and shit. And as you like walk through the crowd, if you touch somebody, they just collapse. It's his. <laughs> I loved it. So you're basically walking through this whole uh, train station, knocking over everybody as they just like collapse beneath you. But then you come back to and you're just like crying in a corner. And you can also scream Jason while this is happening. Right. So I was going, Jason, and knocking over as many people as I could because I thought it was fucking hilarious. I was like, yes, rampage. Let's do this, Ethan. But yeah, then he comes back to and he's just crying. Yeah. In a corner. And nobody's paying attention to him. Yeah. That's not weird to see in a train station. Not in a train station, Just a dude no. having a mental breakdown. <laughs> You've been on public transit? Uh, that's fair. It sucks. So he goes in, he gets this shoebox of treasures. Right. The shoebox of treasures. Now, this is something that... It's, it's a frustrating detail. So inside this shoebox of treasures... Because he takes it back to his hotel, right? He's staying in a hotel at this point. Yeah, it's like a CD motel. Yeah, a motel. It's very much a motel. Yeah, let's be clear. To, it exits to the outside. Yeah, there's no inside. Right. In this motel, he takes this... It's a shoebox, and inside is a whole bunch of origami figures. And I think they're numbered, right? They're numbered. And he unfolds the first one, and there's essentially a clue. What is the clue? Well, it's folded as a bear. Oh, it's a a brown bear. That's right. And it leads you to a location with another ticket to pick up something. That's right. And we will get there because, like the game, we have to jump around and introduce Miss Madison Page. The fourth character. And I swear to God, this is like the last playable character you get. And they do introduce her quite late. Like, we're about two hours in at this point. Oh, yeah. You were like... Oh, God, there's another one. There's another character he gets to play as. Holy yeah. shit. Okay. 
Who's this chick? Well, she's voiced by two different people. Wait, what? Yep. I didn't know this. Yeah, I read this on the website earlier. What happened? I don't know. Just halfway through, they switched actresses? I don't know if it was a, you take the A days, I'll take the B days, or a... I mean, I'll give them credit. I couldn't tell. And they didn't have the same last name, so I don't think they were like a twin situation. Oh my god, that's amazing. And there's not like a singing scene, so like there's one a singing voice. No, there's no screaming voice. There's no situation where she has to speak another language or throw her voice. No reason for this. It happened, though. Okay. So, fun fact about Madison Page. Madison Page is a manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. Who, all the way down to riding a motorcycle with a white wife beater or a leather jacket, yeah. is um, the bad girl of your dreams. Because she's also a journalist. <laughs> God damn it. Why are... St- Why is it just like, let's have women have a reason for things and have them tell stories of men. Right. And that'll be their thing. Also, she has leather. Fuck off. Can't she, can we just have a sexy scientist, like, give me like a fine fucking STEM girl with a thick ass and have her be the heroine. And of course, within four minutes of us meeting her as a character, we also see her naked in the shower. Yes. She, well, she's already in her panties and like a see-through white tank top. Right. Imagining her own murder. Yep. She, she, she has, like, a dream about her own murder. It's it's just... It's a fun sequence when the murderers actually show up and start chasing you. Yeah, you're like, wait, I just started playing this character. How did I get sl- my throat slit already? <laughs> it's really good. And then she wakes up from a dream. You're like, oh, fuck off. Yeah. Uh, but you can't have her take a shower and you can see, like, full titties. I don't think you see Bush. Yeah, I don't think you see Bush. You see ass. You yeah. see that ass crack going in the shower like you do with Ethan. Right. The moment you met, meet him, he's showing his ass. Right. We also get no dong for him, so... Bummer on the front stuff. That's true. No dong. No dong. But we do get dong in the game, don't we? I don't know how you played this. I don't think I got dong in my version. I felt like there was dong in this game. Okay. What game were you playing? Maybe I was playing a different game. All right. Well, what you do on your time is, you know, above me. Okay. So do what you gotta do, man. Get your shit off. Madison Page is 27. She's single and she's checking into a motel because she has trouble sleeping. That's right. She can't she sleep at home. She keeps thinking of herself getting murdered. Right. So back to Ethan's story at the motel. We're in a different motel room now. Because this game is working exactly like this conversation where there's kind of a plot. Well, not it's, really. It's like what they do is they do this weird close up on the face of the character you're about to play as as like the scene's loading. So they show like this close up of Madison's face and then we start playing as Ethan halfway through it. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very inconsistent in terms of how this mechanic works. It could have been better. Yeah. <laughs> could have just done a quick check on that one. Right. Just do a quick playthrough, guys. Just play it through. Make sure it works. <laughs> you know, like if you burn a CD, sometimes you'll play the first second to make sure it burned right. Right. Same deal. That's a dated reference. So we're back to Ethan. He's opening up the bear origami, which is a little brown bear. It's got a little one on it. Mm-hmm. And there's a ticket. And an address. This is a pickup ticket for a vehicle. He goes to an auto body shop. Right. He talks to the old man who's like the old man from the South Park games who goes, there's no roads here. Right. He's the harbinger. There it is. Yeah. I can never remember that. So he's like, oh yeah, that car's been here for a while. Go down there. And you go down a service elevator by yourself, which you probably shouldn't do that in a car place. And like a car, and like it's the only car in this whole like garage too. Yeah. It's very creepy. There's a bunch that are covered, so you clearly can't go up and touch them. Yeah. You get in this car and it's like a little zippy thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Why not? And he's like, I guess this is what we're doing. So he turns on the GPS 
and the GPS starts talking at him. And the GPS has, like, a female robot voice. Right. So it's super creepy. And it tells him, drive down the freeway for the next five miles on the opposite side of the road. Against traffic. Against traffic. And he's like, what? Start, you have five, it's something like you have, like, a few minutes, too. Like, she, he only yeah. had, like, a limited amount of time, too, to get there. Yeah, I think it's, like, five miles in five minutes or something like something that. Something like that. So he's got to, like, go, like... He has about to hustle. 60 miles an hour straight down the fucking freeway in the opposite direction. And that's, and it's quick time events. So you're, it's, it's fun. It's cool. You're dodging. It's, you're dodging. And like the police get involved eventually. They throw up a roadblock. And fortunately, you know, you get it. You, you hit your five miles after you like wreck your car, even like you wreck your car just crossing the quote unquote finish line or whatever. Here's something interesting. Like I said, there's permadeath. There's a lot of endings. You can fail this. You can. And you can choose not to do it. Oh, okay. There are ways to fail every single trial. Yeah, I figured out a couple ways to fail other trials, so. This one is reasonably easy. Okay. Like, it's really just dodging. Oh, in terms of completing. In, ter- com- in terms of completing, yes, and I don't believe I'd you agree. can die in this one. Okay. I would hope not. It's the first one. It'd be fucked up if you right. immediately die. the first die. trial. Yeah. So essentially what you get is a text message that is like a fill in the blank kind of like hangman looking screen. And you get a few of the uh, numbers and letters that will spell out where your son is being kept. Which like, if you had this fucking, you know how like Zodiac's shit was decoded by a pair of retired people in San Francisco? Yeah. Just for fun? Right. You really could have done that same shit with this and been like, hang man, I have four digits. Fucking help me fill in the rest. Let's figure this out. Yeah, because everyone's amped up about this case, too. Like, everyone's... Oh, right. There's so many people that have died, so many people that are scared they're going to lose their kids. Like, people want to solve this murder. Right, because it's not going to stop until it's caught. Yeah, and there's one active one right now. They're like, we can actually rally and save a life. Totally. But Ethan's like, nope. Nope, I'm going to keep this one to myself. I want the glory. Selfish bitch. So he comes back all beat to shit because he does wreck his car. He really fuck. He like flips that shit. Yeah, he he, he does flip it because you have to crawl out from underneath. Yeah, you have to like escape the car as it's like burning and shit. Yeah, it's so dramatic. But and and also those police that you just escaped don't come after you for whatever reason after you flipped your car and set it on fire. And like you don't fall down a ravine, you're just on the side of the road. Yeah, you're really in the like just off the median basically. But anyway, you get away, you, you get away just scot free just because, I mean, once you pass the police barricade, you're home free, obviously, Obby. like they can't chase you after that. That's the county line. It's like asking them if they're a cop. I have to tell you. <laughs> so he stu- somehow stumbles back to the motel, which is clearly not near where he flipped his car. And it's at has- least five miles away. He has several <laughs> broken bones and like eight concussions. Yeah. He is bleeding everywhere. <laughs> and he's on like the second floor and it's a walk-up motel. Right. So he had to crawl up. All the way up the stairs and shit. I just remembered that and now I'm losing my mind. <laughs> he could have asked for a ground floor room. Right. Easily. Nope. And this is where he runs into our manic pixie, Madison. Madison. Okay. Who bandit? who first of all sees a man bleeding profusely at a seedy motel and goes... I'm going to talk to him. (laughs) And then goes, you're hurt. I will fix it. Pulls him into his room, like, like kind of undresses him. Like she pulls his shirt down. Right. Like immediately. Yeah. And he lays down and he's like, who are you? Like, he's clearly so fucking out of it. Out of it. 
And she goes and starts raiding his medicine cabinet. Which is a hotel medicine cabinet. Yeah, there's, like, band-aids and shit. But there's also, like, antidote and, like, burn heal and shit. Oh, my God, that's right. There's weird shit where you can kind of pick it up and she'll, she'll go, I don't need this right now. And you go... You're not a fucking nurse. <laughs> You're you went you got a writing degree from a state school and that's the same degree I have. Right. So I know it's bullshit. <laughs> just threw money on fire. Like what the fuck are you talking about? Totally. So she stitches him up somehow. I fucked that up a bunch. I'm sure. I hurt him a lot. Well, yeah, like I was saying, like some of these quick time events require finesse to it and going slowly with like the joystick movements and stuff. And if you go too fast, yeah, you'll just stab people instead of, you know. It sucks. <laughs> it's not good. So, yeah, so you bandage him up and she's like, cool, I made a friend who lives in the same motel as me. I want to emphasize, lives in the same motel as me. Right. <laughs> this isn't a friend, These bitch. are both people... Staying there for non-normal motel reasons. We smash cut from here to a sequence almost purely pulled from the movie Seven. Oh, right. That's uh, the next thing that happens. Because this movie is... Or this movie. It feels like a movie. Because this game isn't satisfied with having <laughs> just one serial killer. Right. And just one reference to one kind of murder. Because obviously we have some Saw elements where someone's making... Ethan do stuff. We've got a girl who's scared of getting murdered, which is every fucking horror movie. Yeah. I mean, I, I like to talk about like how Until Dawn took a whole bunch of different horror aspects and turned them into one game. This is doing that as well, but it's more psychological horror as opposed to like gore. Gore horror. Right. Yeah. Until Dawn is so fucking good. Oh, it's a great game. Fantastic. Game. Fantastic. Probably Easier to digest than this one. A little bit. Somehow. It's, it's pretty more, a lot more straightforward, that's for sure. Still very dark. So, the seventh sequence I'm talking about is my least favorite character, Norman Jaden, and his best friend, Blake Carter. Officer Norman. <laughs> are going to investigate people that are on their suspect list for the origami killer. Now that he's active, they're like, he's going to be on high alert. He's probably hiding out. Let's check out some people that we've thought about. Check out their addresses. Right. They go to this one guy. Blake is kind of like, he's a weirdo, <laughs> which means there's no foreshadowing there. No, none whatsoever. Also in kind of a depressed dad apartment complex. It, a little bit. This apartment is lined wall to wall with wooden crosses. With crucifixes. Crucifixes, that's what they're called. And they, they're like hanging from the ceiling yeah. like the, the uh, air fresheners in Seven. Like there is nobody that saw this scene and didn't immediately think of Seven. Right. And then just to really drive it home, the character that walks in starts talking about the sins and shit. So it's like, yeah. okay, you're just like being really heavy handed with this. Okay, you have Netflix, calm down. <laughs> and there's like candles everywhere. My issue was that they were lit and he wasn't home. Right. He left 47 candles lit. In a house full of wooden crucifixes. And they were just those pillar candles that just melt down. So yeah. like there's nothing going to catch the wax. No. You're a loser it's deposit. It's like Kat Von D's desk. Yeah! <laughs> For no reason. And they're looking around. There's like, he literally only has med like head meds right. and fucking crucifixes. Yeah. And he gets home and he's like, cool, there's two cops with guns in my apartment. Not happy with this. Probably going to prey on it. Starts freaking out. He starts threatening them. And you have an opportunity to shoot him. I did not. Did I? I don't think you did. I don't think I did. Yeah, I think you guys took him in and then realized he wasn't anything. He's not the origami killer. He's not the origami killer, no. yeah. But that's a fun sequence. It is. It's a weird. fun sequence. It's weird. I like the better. But again, 
cut away from Norman because he really doesn't do anything. Yeah. And then we... Uh, do Norman we, sucks. Do we go back to Scotty? Because I love Scotty. We do. Do you know which where Scotty is right now? Scotty should be at this point. It's very sad. Where's Scotty in this one? Scotty is investigating the suicide baby. The suicide baby. The suicide and the baby in the trailer oh, park. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Burying the lead. Yes. Don't think I used that term right. So, Scotty rolls up by himself to a trailer home. Mm-hmm. He's knocking on doors. He hears a baby crying, and he's like, well, there's someone in there. And he does it in that dad tone where he goes, well, they can't be too far. <laughs> right. He goes around. He sees there's a baby hanging out by itself. Doesn't smell great. He's like, where's your mama? He finds the mama. If you've seen the ending of the John Lithgow season of Dexter. Oh, goodness it's, gracious. It's that exact fucking scene. She is wrists out bleeding into the bathtub. Right. And it's fucked up. And like just seeing it, you can kind of feel it on your arms. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, totally. It's, it, it's pixely, but it's still fucked up. Right. So he picks her up. He puts her in bed. He wraps her up. And he's like, honestly, you still have a heartbeat. You're fine. You just need a rest. Maybe eat something when you get up. And she's like, you know, my baby's over there. Right. <laughs> and he's like, I guess I'll figure that shit out, too. She does not ask why he's there. Nope. Until way the fuck too late. <laughs> I think he offers it. He's like, hey, I'm, I'm Scott Shelby. I'm looking into this. You're, you're a dead kid. It's a bummer. What happened with the dead kid? Right. I saved your life. Now you gotta tell me about the dead kid. Yeah. And she's like, all right, go change my kid's diaper first. I know. You, you gotta do a whole diaper ass changing scene. You have to burp the baby. Yeah. It's, this game's not great. <laughs> it is. But it's not terrible either. Yeah. Like a Michael Bay movie. It's the Transformers Revenge of the Fallen of fucking Exactly. Narratives. But it's fun. So she's like, yeah, I live in a trailer with this other kid now. And after my kid disappeared, his dad disappeared, and he left a cell phone. You can have it if you want. Right. Did you not go through it, bitch? Like, that's evidence. You should have handed that the fuck off to the cops. The day your kid disappeared, your dude disappeared, and you're like, this isn't connected. And he, and he, I think Scott even is like, is that his cell phone? And she goes, I've never seen it before until my kid disappeared. And she just says that like that's not a bonkers thing to do. Like, if I disappeared and you found a different iPhone that wasn't mine lying around... That would be like the first thing I do. You wouldn't stash it in a cabinet for two years and go... Wait for an eh. investigator to come around looking for nothing? Also, she lives in a trailer. If she finds a cell phone and is like, I don't really give a fuck, she'd sell it. Yeah. Or use in it. In a heartbeat. Or just swap her SIM card because it's like not a bad phone. It's got video calling and shit. Well, she can't get her minutes on those. Ah. Uh, gotta <laughs> wait until after nine. She needs a new calling card. Got you. I got you. Yeah. So, yeah. Wait he, till after nine. I forgot about that. Oh my <laughs> God. It still says singular way back in the day. Holy shit. TBT, yo. Yeah. So. After nine, it's free. So just to recap, Ethan survives a car crash. Right. Fucking, Again. Yeah. Scott fucking saves a woman from suicide and helps a baby. Norman um, kind of ruined this guy's afternoon and did some breaking and entering while he was a cop. Right. And Madison put a band-aid on Ethan's broken rib. And said, I fixed it. I'm I the am hero. A healer. They're not created equal. No. And Norman is trash. And Norman is trash. So from here we get into the next trial for Ethan. Okay. I don't get the trials. I was not good at the trials. No, you weren't. Is this the electricity trial? This is the butterfly. Yes. Oh, yeah. I failed this one. You really did. And I watched you do it and went, he can figure it out. And he didn't, y'all. No, I didn't realize I could move around as much as I could. And I was trying on a very difficult spot to... Anyway. 
So the butterfly unwraps. He goes to this address, which is like an abandoned power plant, electricity yeah. plant. It's a, it's a power plant. Yeah. There's no one there. There's not even security there. And it's kind of boarded up. So yeah. it seems like it's an abandoned one, which like, right. shouldn't we be using those? Okay. Probably. And he goes around and he ends up climbing into a tube. <laughs> right. Filled with glass. All glass. It's like um like a ventilation system. Yeah. And he's got to walk through, like, crawl through broken glass. And, like, there's really only option. You have to go through the broken glass. Yeah. Which, you can get through broken glass. Like, that's not a big deal. Yeah. Just kick it. Yeah, but also, if if it's laying flat. Yeah. If it's laying flat, you're fine. Yeah. But anyway, he crawls through it. I don't know. They made such a big deal about the broken glass in the game. I'm like, this this doesn't seem bad. He's fully clothed. So yeah, like, he's got all his clothes on. If he were in a swimsuit, it would be way worse. You know, if he was super Agreed. exposed, but it's been raining, so he's got, like, three layers on. Yeah. He's got thick socks because it's raining. He's got a coat because he's raining. He's got a sweater and a shirt. He's fine, y'all. <laughs> he's probably got gloves in his pocket. Yeah, he's fine. He crawls through that, and then he ends up in this room of electric conductors. Is that what they are? I'm not quite sure what they're, like, they're little pyramids where the electricity bolts go through each other. And well, he has to, for some reason, crawl through them. Yeah, there's like, it's like an electric fence that, like, there's like lines going across like an electric fence. So you've got to like, yeah, m- maneuver your way through the electric fence without getting hit by it. And I didn't realize there's like five different paths you can take to get through it all. I was going through the absolute most difficult one and failed this mission entirely and took, quote unquote, the coward's way out. So if you fuck up so bad, they won't even let you keep going through. Nope. Like the quick time events don't show up to allow you to. Right. And you just have to walk through a door that's painted with the word coward. Yeah. He's not being glib and saying I took a pussy route or anything. It literally says coward, coward on the door. Yeah. So then all that happens is that you don't get your clue with more letters and numbers and shit so i made it through mm-hmm. and i got some numbers and letters nothing exciting after that though see that's it i wish i was wasting my time anyway we're gonna cut to scott shelby and his best friend laura you remember laura the sex worker the sex worker whose son disappeared and now is gonna just come over to scott's house to take a shower because that's all that happens <laughs> is this weird. game yes so She's like, hey, I'm part of this. We're best friends. Let's investigate. And he's like, I guess we're friends. Let's do this. Right. And they go to a house party being thrown by a playboy billionaire's son. Oh, right. Who's like total trash. And he's like watching a Pixar short while two girls are making out on the couch with each other. Right. There's a full blown party going on in this house. Like, yeah. this is like, like if his house was a nightclub, essentially, there's a party going on and he's like in his room. Yeah. It sucks. So he, this guy's being investigated by Scott Shelby because a few, like a year or two ago when the origami killer started up, a child went missing and wound up dead. And the last time that child was seen was getting into this kid's limo right so they're like he did it this is the only time we actually caught someone like taking the kid like this is all about it the kid's dad fucking paid off everyone and got off got everything dropped right which is like that's suspicious as fuck totally but if charges are dropped against you you can't have those charges brought back up again double jeopardy and all yeah shit. but yeah. if there's like a new murder they can be like you did this one though, right? Right, exactly. <laughs> you can't charge him for the same murder twice, but if there's a if there's a new murder entirely. Yeah, if you, if you're still going, like they yeah. can get you on that shit. So, 
There's a whole ass thing. Scott's like, you're a piece of shit. And he's like, my daddy can buy you. I'm the origami killer. <laughs> Deadass says I'm the origami killer. Right. And again, I know it's pronounced origami. But he says he's the origami killer. Everyone in this fucking game doesn't know what it is. Yes. So that's exciting. Right. And so Scott's got to like wail on him, right? Yeah. 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 Scott like throws a fit and then his bodyguards try to take Scott out. And Lauren's like trying to be helpful is not helpful. No. Completely the worst. The rich kid. Oh, the rich kid. He says he's the origami killer. He does say he's the origami killer. Well, Scott's like kicking and dragging away. He's like, you know what? I hear what happened. I did it. I'm the origami killer. Like, <laughs> so fucking dramatic. Well, the kid says like, you know who my dad is. He'll have you killed before you even wake up tomorrow. That's like, right. He's, yeah, he's before like, before tomorrow. He's like, starts threatening him like his dad's like a mob boss and sh- shit like that. So he's like not scared. And they also try to question him, but lawyers. There's some shit that goes down later with it. So we're gonna pause on that now. Okay. We're going to go back talking to Ethan, who is now on trial number three. Trial number three. The lizard trial. Oh, between these also, he's also stumbling back to his fucking shitty motel room. Yeah. Or yeah, hotel room, yeah. And Madison sees him again and decides to put more band-aids on his broken ribs and shit. Yeah, she's basically just playing nurse at this point. Yeah. She sucks in this game. (laughs) Yeah, which is just too bad because she's not a terrible character. Yeah, so she puts band-aids on him and he's like, I have to keep going. Hand me that origami lizard. Yeah. So So then he unfolds the origami lizard. Gets an address. Another clue, yeah. So he rolls out. He finds this kind of abandoned-ass building and he gets in and there's... It's like a little screen. He just taps it and it goes, you have five minutes to cut off part of your finger. Yeah, just the the final tip of either one of your fingers. Oh, meanwhile, outside, Norman Jaden, Blake Carter are in a car waiting for Ethan because they think he's the origami killer. Right. Madison pulls up on her loud ass motorcycle, which everyone should have fucking heard because it's a fucking motorcycle. It's a loud ass motorcycle. Yeah, because she is manic pixie as fuck. Right. She doesn't drive an electric motorcycle. And she goes, I'm here to help. (laughs) She's always here to help. (laughs) Yeah. Not really offering anything. Who she's helping, we don't know. Ethan hasn't asked her for help. (laughs) Not once. Ethan did not invite her on this trip. At any point. He just went because he's trying to save his kid, and she is like, Mr. Me Too. Right. She's the worst. So Ethan, the sequence is kind of fun because there's a bunch of different ways you can cut off your finger. Oh, there are? Yeah. Oh, okay. There's, um... There's just a bunch of different, like, sharp edges and, like, scalpels and knives and scissors and shit. Mm. And it's a decrepit apartment. Like, it looks like it's been abandoned for at least eight months. Everything's rusty. Yeah. And you're supposed to, like, also solderize the wound, which I did not do. Oh. And you can also opt to just not fucking do it. You can run the clock. Right. I feel like all of them, you have the option of just not doing it. Yeah. Every single trial, you basically have the option to go, nah. I'm not doing that. Nah. Yeah. I don't love my kid that much. No. So... Yeah, he, I got him to, I think he got a butcher um, knife. Butcher knife? Yeah, and cut off the tip of his pinky. Okay. And I didn't solderize because I didn't get there. Yeah, I don't think I saw, I don't think I cauterized mine either. Yeah. So he's like, oh man, I got my letters. All right, next. And then he gets raided by the cops. That's right. Yeah. So he's like sitting there bleeding. Yeah, he's miserable, dying of infection immediately. And (laughs) fucking... Dumbass Madison Page is like, oh, you're bleeding. I'm here now. I was summoned by your blood. Your blood has summoned me. Yes. I am I'm here to fix your wounds. Yes. Because she's fucking Mercy and I hate Mercy. <laughs> so she's like, yo, we got to go. And he's like, why are you here? And she goes, the cops are here. And he goes, 
why are the cops here? Like, I'm sure he had to be like, did you bring them? <laughs> this is an awful coincidence, miss. Yeah, right? Also, don't I live with you at the motel? Why are you here? Why is my neighbor here? So they go on this really great sequence where they run through the subway system. Right. Get to get away from the cops. And here... You have the opportunity to get arrested by the cops mm-hmm. or disappear. I did not get arrested. Did you? I don't think I did. No, you I got away. You got arre- You got away? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So you got away. I got away. If you get arrested, it does fuck up some future sequences because you're in jail. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I definitely got it completed. See, yeah, you can miss, you can just dead ass miss scenes. Yeah, I got away from the cops there. Um, we also have a sequence where Scott Shelby and his best friend Lauren have a clue. Oh. They have an envelope with a letter from the killer. That's right. And they go to investigate it. That's right. And he's like, well, let's look at this. There's some, there's some typemanship here. Mm-hmm. I have a buddy in the typemanship business. It's true. He goes to see the sweetest old man. He's like a little old mole man. He is a little old mole man. He's so cute. Yeah. You're just like, oh. And he's just like, I just love typewriters. Yeah. I'm the guy that fixes all the typewriters in the entire city. Yeah. If there's an old typewriter, it's come through me. Yeah. Which also like bottlenecks it, which is nice. Right. It's like, clearly the killer has been through here to get his typewriter serviced if he cares about his typewriter so much. Exactly. Well, that guy dies. Yeah. He goes into, like, a back room to go get, a, uh, like, the file of every typewriter of that model that he has fixed. Yeah, because he loves Scott Shelby, too. He's like, oh, my God, anything for you. I know you do the right thing. Yeah. Lauren seems Friends different. for life. Yeah. And then <laughs> Scott goes back to check up on him, and he's just dead on the ground. Dead as fuck, though. Yeah. And Scott's just like... Oh, damn it. And the phone's off the hook and 911 is on the other line. Which means the cops are coming. Yep. And Lauren and Scott are the only people there clearly being framed for this murder to get them out of the way because they got too close. Right. So Scott's got to go through and like wipe down the fingerprints on every surface of the room. Yeah. And you missed a spot, right? I did. I missed a spot and I got arrested. And I cleaned everything... But I didn't leave in time. Yeah, you took too long. <laughs> it took too long to clean everything, so I also got arrested. So they went, you were I was in there. still there. But there's no fingerprints. That's suspicious as fuck, my dude. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but then, I mean, they he gets to the station. They're like, oh, Scott, we know who you are. What's up? What happened? He's like, yeah, we were just there and he died. Like, somebody killed him. It wasn't us. Like, I'm an ex-cop. You guys know me. Yeah. Like, we we all know each other. And the cop that helps him get out is Blake Carter, Norman's assistant. The one that's like, ah, we should just hit the ground running. Yeah, Norman's like, yes, you fuck. Yeah. (laughs) what I've been saying. That's all we're supposed to do. So basically everyone can get arrested and it fucks up your sequences. Yeah. Um, Yeah, so shit's crazy. To recap, Ethan's missing a finger. Madison is useless. Madison's totally useless. Norman, we find out, is addicted to, to drugs. Now, this is some future drug, too. This yeah. is not some, like, normal cocaine or anything. This is, like, blue cocaine. Yeah, it's like some Breaking Bad shit. Yeah, like Breaking Bad cocaine. I'm thinking of, like, the drug that they used in a Minority Report, too. Okay. Yeah. It feels a little like that, yeah, because it's futuristic and he's got the AR glove Yeah, that, shit. that all that felt very Minority Report on top of that, too. Yeah. And Scott Shelby's just doing his goddamn best. Right. He's just trying. He's a great PI, though. He's just such a sweet He's just man. following down every lead and doing his due diligence. And he's creative. Like, who would think to do the typewriter service guy? Yeah, exactly. It's great. Yeah. And, you know, he knows a guy. 
Yeah. That's what I love about a good private eye is they know a guy. Yeah, he's been in the city in the service long enough. He's got his lovers he can pull. He's got his guys. Cutting back to Ethan Mars. Oh. Back in the motel. He reaches for another origami figure. What is it, you ask? What is it? You ask? I ask. It's a shark. A shark? And you gotta kill a drug dealer now. That's right. That's what the fuck? right. So you are assigned to assassinate somebody. Just to recap, 16 hours ago, it was drive traffic the wrong way. Like, it's a goddamn jackass stunt. Right. Now you're just straight up murdering people. Yeah. And you don't know this guy. You just got an address and a gun. Fuck me up. Have you ever just gotten an address and a weapon? I mean, other than that movie, the great Jake McAvoy movie, um, Wanted? No. See? Fuck shit up. So, you roll up as Ethan, sobbing, by the way. So concussed. All of your ribs are broken. Right. Everything in you hurts. Madison's not a good nurse, at least when I play her. So <laughs> you're all fucked up and probably real fucking infected. Right. And Internal bleeding. Yeah. <laughs> out of your eyes. And you basically chase this weird white suburban dude who I feel like he had a bathrobe on. I don't know if I'm projecting just like some sort of Big Lebowski dude image onto him. Of okay. Like a slacker weird dude. But you're chasing him through his gigantic apartment. Yeah, he did have like a bathrobe on. Yeah, it was like a robe. I'm not crazy. It was like a robe, like a smoking jacket kind of thing, like a Hugh Hefner. He like he saw himself as like a Hugh Hefner kind of guy. Yeah, he's the drug kingpin of fucking Palooza, Washington. Right. Shut the fuck up, sir. There's kids dying. Yeah, pusher man. So he's like, Ethan and he are having this fight scene and chase through the apartment and it culminates in being in a little girl's bedroom. Mm. Who's clearly the drug dealer's little girl. Right. And he's saying, like, I have kids, and he holds up a picture of his kids and shit. Or, like, points to it. Right. And Ethan's like, I'm a dad, too. And you have the choice to shoot this guy in the fucking face. Right. Or to walk away. And I, I walked away because I just didn't want to see anyone get shot Yeah, in the face. I walked away, too. Sometimes you just look at it and go, I don't want to see that right now. Yeah, and it's kind of just also just like, that's not who Ethan is. Yeah. At least the way I play him. Right? <laughs> this is where shit gets really wild for everyone. Yeah. So, I was going to say, are we at the part with Madison yet? Yes. Okay, good. So Madison decides to go on her own fucking adventure. Right. She is investigating the apartment from the last trial. So the apartment where Ethan had to go to cut his finger off. Because that was clearly set up as a spot. Right. Someone's responsible for it. It's not abandoned. Somebody owns that building. So she tracks down the landlord for that unit. Right. And he's like, yo, we got to have a talk. Who's renting this shit from you? Yeah. And she goes to this old man's house. He used to be a doctor. She finds out that he used to sell drugs, like, illegally, and that's kind of why he lost his license. Okay. Kind of implied. Right, um, like he filled out phony prescriptions and shit. Yeah. Yeah. So, we took different paths in this, because I we think- We did, and they both ended in the same place, so- Yeah, so, he offers you a drink. Now, I did not- you're a woman, so you- So I said, fuck no, I'm not taking that shit. <laughs> I am good, sir. No, thank you. And he left the room. And I got to investigate the room. Oh, you did? Yes. See, I never got to do that because I don't think like a woman. So I took the drink happily and accepted it and drank that shit. You said, what a nice gift. Yeah. I was like, oh, thank you, sir. I, I don't parched. mind if I do. We both ended up on a fucking operating table on in the basement. On a fucking slab in the basement. Because again, one serial killer is not enough in this game. So in the last trial, there's an opportunity for a lot of the characters to get arrested. 
And that takes them out of gameplay for like a scene or two. Mm-hmm. This is where people start to perma die. Yeah. So Madison can die in this sequence. She can die here. Yes. Okay. Keep that in mind while we talk about the rest of it. All right. So Madison is straight up, fucking hands up, legs down, chained up to an operating table, fully clothed. It was ropes, not chains. It was ropes. It is ropes. You're right. You're right. You're right. It is ropes. And the doctor has like a buzz saw. Oh, yeah. He's got, like, drills. It looks like a scene from Hostel. Like, yeah. Like, genuinely out of Hostel. Whole ass. And... And there's another body in the corner. Who isn't that cold yet? It's no. not decomposed. It looks very new. This is a very fresh body that is down there. It's super fucked up. Yeah. And you're wiggling, and he's like, I can't wait to play with you, so it's, like, rapey on top of being murdery. Totally. Which is super fucking creepy. Yeah, because I'm sure he he's happy to murder anybody, but if he can get a woman... Yeah. That's when it's really special for uh, Yeah, right? It's so good. Because <laughs> it's clearly not his second murder either. Yeah, it's probably his second murder this week. Maybe that day even. Yeah, like that, he just that guy got looked fresh. He had a lucky day that this woman knocked on his door as far as he's concerned. Yeah. It's horrible. Yeah. Um, so you're over there, you're squirming around, he's like, I can't wait to play with you. And then the thing that we all hate but are grateful for in this moment happens. Right. So he's got this drill, like, between her legs, lowering, 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 ah! and then the doorbell rings. And he's like, oh, right when you get to housework, they always come around. Right. <laughs> he says some bullshit dad shit. He says, like, a total dad joke in the moment, like, about it, and, like, puts down the drill. And here's another thing that's innovative about the game, and this isn't the only time that this happens. This happens a lot throughout the game. We get kind of split-screen stuff going on where your character that you're seeing and you're controlling is in one screen and then we can see what's happening elsewhere at the same time so we're watching the doctor go upstairs and answer the door and it's like some jesus freak right yeah someone trying to give bibles out i think yeah it's like a a bible salesman kind of guy and and like he's just he's you hear him try to get rid of the guy and all this stuff and they have like a whole interaction and shit while you're also playing as Madison trying to escape. And it feels like comic book panels. Yeah, very much so like it comic book panels. It doesn't feel like Mario Kart where it was four corners. It feels like it's innovative or the way it's structured. It just does feel like you're living a comic book, which makes this so innovative and fun to play. Yeah. And it's, it's got like such a neat look to it. Yeah. So we're going to talk about this scene as if you don't die. Yeah. But you can die at basically any point going forward as Madison in this sequence. Right. So you kind of get one arm free, you get a leg free, you kick the saw up to cut one of the ropes and stuff. Right. You you manage to maneuver around enough to get out. Yeah. And and the doc comes back and he's mad as shit. And he basically just tortures you and chases you around for a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And then you end up like, he like throws you back onto the, the... table or whatever and he's like caressing your ass too Ah! like he's getting like really creepy and like flips you back over and you're just like laying there like fuck I'm totally fucked Mm -hmm. and then just as he leans forward Madison takes the fucking drill and puts it into his temple and it's just oh it's so satisfying it's where you're not mad at her for being who she is yeah she's so rad in this one sequence it's such a great sequence you're like this is so girl power like good for you like yeah you're awesome you got the win sis yeah And in my sequence, when I was raiding through, I got, like, a book or a card that showed that the apartment was being rented by Paco. But he also tells you, I'm renting it to my friend Paco. You know, Paco, he works down at this club. Right, right. There is the club. Yeah. So I actually found evidence while I was searching through his apartment. Got it. I don't think you got that because you immediately passed out. Immediately we took the drugs. So that's awesome. And again, she can totally die. He can get her if you don't hit the quick time events. Really? Damn, that sucks. And like we were talking about this too later was like, 
can you imagine the person that finally stumbles on this scene, like coming into this guy's house and seeing this happen? And like, you can just like kind of piece it together. Like, okay, you see a dead guy in the corner. Mm -hmm. You see the guy who owns the house clearly with a drill in the side of his head. And girl footprints going away. And a girl, like bloody girl footprints running out the door. And you're like, holy shit, somebody totally escaped. Yeah. This is awesome. Like, yeah. even as, as the cop, they'd just be like, I want to meet this person and congratulate them, like, more than anything. Like, she's like, I need to get back to my motel boyfriend. Right. She doesn't Sorry. report this, by the way. Oh, yeah. Someone else is whole ass dead in the basement. Yeah. There's a serial killer just rotting in a basement somewhere. And she's just like, I'm not going to touch this one. I'm working on the other serial killer. <laughs> right. Town. I'll get back around. I'm to involved this. in another serial killer case right now. I just don't have time for this shit. Yeah. It's insane. Well, the clock is ticking. There's a kid. Yeah. So I'll get back to We'll, we'll, we'll table it for She's now. She's not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> oh, crack a window if you're so fucking right. mad about it. <laughs> so after that amazing, enthralling scene, we cut to another one. Mm-hmm. That is going to be a touchy subject for you. This is the Mad Jack section of the game, where you oh play as God. Norman Jaden. Norman Jaden. So remember, going forward... I hate him. There is permadeath. Yes. For these characters, if you fuck up the simplest of quick time events. I think I warned you. You did warn me. <laughs> you gave me plenty of warning. So you meet this character and he's just... Well, where are you? You're in a junkyard. A car junkyard. A car junkyard, very specifically. And, you know, you go find the guy that's running the, the car disposal unit and shit like that. And what character from the Green Mile is it? The the one, the the main character, what well, I don't remember what his name was. The guy with the mouse, whatever. But the guy, yeah, the, the main, the big, gigantic black dude, like, he's basically Ving Rhames in this scene, like, he's just, or or Terry Crews, he's just this gigantic dude. Yeah, he he's dressed like the guy from the Green Mile, he's got, like, a white shirt and overalls. Yeah. <laughs> just to be like, fuck it. Norman's not a big dude, he might be a cop, but he's just, like... A regular sized guy. He is 5'7 and says he's 5'11 on Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a whole fight sequence and stuff, and you get this whole thing going on. So why, why is Norman there? Because he got a tip to go there. Yes. Yeah. Um, he's investigating the car. The car, that's because right. Because he has intel on the car being a like an 83 Chevy Malibu. And having been at that junkyard, yes. yes. Right. It was like... At one point, it was reported stolen, and I think it showed up in that car shop. Mm-hmm. Or they were like, it was something happened. It was with the car, and they had to say, like, you have to go talk to this guy. He probably knows where the car is, and he figured out where the shop was. And was like, I'm talking to this guy, figure out where the car is, and we'll fucking do this. Yeah. So he goes, and the guy, like, kind of leaves him alone to investigate the area. It's before the fight and everything. He, he leaves him alone to investigate the area, and he, like, lifts up this panel, and he sees a bunch of skulls yeah! under a board. And he's like, fuck, another goddamn serial killer. What is wrong with this city? <laughs> we have to move. Yeah. So he confronts the guy. That's when they get in the fights and everything. And you're trying to get information from him. Norman ends up in a car in, like, claws, right? So, yeah, so they get into a fist fight, and Norman gets knocked the fuck out by Debo. Yeah. And Debo throws him in a fucking car that's going into the car crusher. That's going into the car crusher. And he's, like, I don't know if he's zip-tied or duct-taped, but his wrists are together and on the steering wheel. Yeah. So he can't really use his arms to get, like, hoist himself out of the 
uh, windows or anything like that. Right, right. He's tied up in there. And and Ving Rhames is lowering him into the car crusher in a car. And it basically kind of turns into an escape room at that point where you got to like find things in the car to like help you get out of the car. Yeah, which I loved. I thought that was such a fun thing to do. And you love doing that kind of stuff. I do. I love puzzles. I didn't realize you could look around the car. So it looked to me like I had two options, shake my hands up and down or move them side to side. Oh my God. He shook that controller like he was trying to squeeze a quarter out of it, y'all. And then I finally saw that I could open the glove compartment with my foot or some shit. And I get it open and like all the stuff I need to escape falls out. Like a key falls out, a map to how to escape a car comes out. And then it goes to a cutscene. I'm like, oh shit, what's going on? And I said, I didn't get this scene. And Andrea looks at me and goes, I don't know what's about to happen. And he drops the car into the car crusher with Norman in the fucking car. And he gets destroyed like in fucking kick-ass when Big Daddy and Hit Girl have that one guy completely crushed to death in the car crusher. And Andrea's mouth is just hanging open watching this going... Oh, shit, you are not supposed to do that. (laughs) You're not supposed to kill the main characters. And it's funny because, you know, the first time I played it, I knew there was some, you could kind of die as some of the characters. Uh I didn't realize it was so soon because it's still like, we're not even in the last act of the game. And... I just didn't die at all. Yeah. So all I was your characters like, lived. And there's other scenes that happen where that have Norman written in them. So you just don't get them if he dies. Mm-mm. So it I, changes like the course of the entire scenes after that. Yeah. And I got a lot more clues than you did. So I figured out that the ending way before you did. Really? Yeah. You figured out everything bef- like long before I did? No. I mean, like, reasonably... Like, I found out the scene before the reveal, essentially. Oh, yeah, yeah, I I definitely found out way before. Okay. There's, like, a couple moments, and it's in a Norman scene. Oh. And I'll... We're gonna get there. Oh, that's right. I know exactly what you're talking about, because we were watching the recap, and I saw that. I was like, I don't remember this scene at all. Oh, right. Norman was dead. Yeah. (laughs) So anyway, Norman dies. It's very anticlimactic. So we get to the nightclub now, right? No. No? We actually jump back to Scott and Lauren, who are at the cemetery. Oh, that's right. Investigating the little boy that died on the construction site many a year ago, owned by the crazy billionaire playboy who killed another kid. Well, the crazy billionaire playboy's dad owned the construction site. It's a family business. Yeah, it's a very complicated little thing there. So they're looking around for this kid. Yeah. Who died on a construction site so long ago, and they notice someone's leaving him fresh flowers. Right. And they're like, this, this kid probably didn't have anyone. What the fuck? He died when he was like seven. No one remembers this kid. Yeah. They realize the person that left flowers was the father who owned the construction site. Yes. Well, they also run into a grave uh, keeper. That's right. He's essentially the guy from Final Destination. Yes, the, the coroner. O- the, o- the old coroner man who Ugh. has like all the stories and everything. And he tells the story of two little boys who were playing in a construction site, playing hide and seek. And one boy fell into like a pipe full of water and essentially just drowned. Because it was raining. Because heavily. it was raining very heavily and the storm was coming through. And it just and like the two kids, like one kid tried to pull the other kid out and the kid died. Yeah. And again, they, the construction site was aware of this. They felt really bad about having a kid die there. And to this day, like 40, 50 years later, they're still leaving flowers on this kid's grave because the guilt was so heavy. Right. But Scott's like, you can't do this shit and then have your kid grow up and weirdly idolize this shit. Yeah, exactly. And murder people. Right. 
So it's fucked up. It's, it's sad. It's, it's sad and fucked up. But now we go. To the nightclub? We go into the club. Okay. Now, the nightclub I like because we take uh, Madison in, and she's going in like she's ready to do, like, a business interview. She's in a button-up like a fucking dork. Yeah, and she's, like, walking through the club, and then she sees the club owner, like, with the hoochiest girls possible surrounding her, and she's like, I need to go interview this guy, and everybody's like... Um, you're not getting into the VIP section, lady. Like, ma'am. Yeah, ma'am, basically. So she goes in the bathroom and, like, sluts herself up big time. Like, she tears her skirt. So it's she like, does. yeah, she tears her skirt. She unbuttons her shirt, like, way down, puts all the makeup on, like, rustles up her hair and everything. Yeah. It was like really pixies, the manic pixie here, too. It's like that scene of Julia Stiles in um, Save the Last Dance where she gets all slutty before they go dancing. Yeah, exactly. Where she takes the headband she was uh, had in her hair and turns it into a top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is the most iconic feminist moment. And then you get up on a little stage next to where the owner is sitting and you do like your little dance dance revolution scene. And okay, so you and I have very different ideas of the owner and I just remembered who he reminds me of. So do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Well, we've already mentioned the movie once tonight. Um, so Pain and Gain. He reminds me of the second guy that they kill in Pain and Gain. Well, I guess he's, the, the he's actually the only person he, they kill. They kill well, the, the girl, They kill the wife, too, but the, the guy, like... So, yeah, he's, like, the cheesy club owner guy who, who's, like, hey, guys, yeah, like, we can party together, but you clearly don't know what the fuck you're talking about kind of guy. So that's who he reminded me of. Who do you remind you? <laughs> Casanova Frankenstein from Mystery Men. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> he's got the same dumbass hair. He looks oily as fuck. And he's in a crazy ass pattern suit. And he has this swagger of like, I own these motherfuckers. And like, we'll snap. He's not even Russian. I don't know why I did that. But like, <laughs> he just has goons that he can snap and will like chase people for him. That's true though. He, he does have goons. On, I was just like, fuck. I think it's Eddie Izzard in the movie that he has a crazy name. It's Casanova Frankenstein. Casanova Frankenstein, yeah. Mystery Man is dope. That is a great movie. Isn't it Jeffrey Rush? Maybe Jeffrey Rush. I think it's Jeffrey Rush. Yeah. I got this. They're all in fucking British stuff. Yeah. One of those guys. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. So your objective, so the club owner, to be very clear, is the one that is technically renting the apartment where Ethan cut his finger off in. So that's why Madison is chasing this guy. Okay. She's like, cool, I'll figure this shit out. You're the doctor that tried to kill me is your landlord. Tell me why and tell me what's going on with this apartment so I can figure this out. Save my motel boyfriend. Right. Who Who is like using this place that you are renting? Yeah. So... She is like, I have to get his attention. So, yeah, she goes up on a cube. It's a light-up Rubik's Cube, and she dances. And then he goes, sexy girl. Come with me. And then she immediately is like, let's go somewhere private. So he takes her up to, like, his, ugh, his, like, really just gross-ass sex lounge slash office. Fish are not <laughs> accessories for your fetish. No. Stop putting fish tanks into weird sex scenes. Like, leave... They didn't do shit to you. It's always a weird fish tank in it those, is. like, sex lounges. And it's, like... Underlit with blue, blue lights, yeah! always the blue lights, and like a circular couch, like that's yeah. embedded into the ground. And this is exactly what we're looking at, and it you, is. you can picture it perfectly because you've seen it a million times in movies and shit. Yeah, it's the worst. So it's it's that total gross thing. So yeah, you basically dance sexy for him at gunpoint, like. I got as naked as I could, and I did not get down to the bush, and I'm very sad. Yeah, all I did was take off my bottoms, but like not. 
underwear. Still have my t- my shirt on. You're so classy. I know. I went nipples, nipples, nipples. I just shook my ass at him a couple times, and then I grabbed a lamp and smashed it over his head. I think I did the same thing. Yeah. yeah. And then you tie him up, and you get get the information out of him that way. Right. Which is great. Now this is where it differs between mine and yours after. Yes. That. So after you got your information yeah. of, um, oh gosh, what do you get? You get like, oh, he just is like, I don't know the guy. He always comes in. He's all wrapped up. He has, a, he like covers his face and he gives me cash. Yeah. So you're like, shit out of luck. That doesn't help Cool. Me. The next thing that I got, Tom did not get because he killed this character. Yeah. It's my friend Norman. Norman is like, I'm hot on the trail. And he gets Paco's information from Mad Jack's auto repair thing. He's like, cool, the car is also... Like, he finds Paco's information tied to the car. Right. So he's like, cool, we're doing this. Or, like, he ends up at the Blue Lagoon Club. And he's like, I need to find Paco. He also kept... He keeps calling him Paco. Paco, Paco, yeah. Yeah, Paco. No one in this fucking game can pronounce anything. Because there was no director in the recording booth, apparently, at any point to tell people how to say their lines. It was 2010, and they still recorded everything on an iPhone. Right. But that was, like, the second iPhone. (laughs) We're on, like, letters now. Right. So... We stopped numbering them a while ago. Yeah, so... Norman goes upstairs and he is like, he talks to the bouncer, and like gets himself let in to Paco's office. He goes into Paco's office. He's like, oh shit. The, <laughs> so wait, Paco's all tied up. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Cause sh- she left him all tied up and just left him in the room. Yeah. He's like some shit happened here. I think Paco like runs out or something. And then while he's like looking around the office, a masked figure comes in and this masked figure is gigantic. It's clearly a huge. Dude. Beats the shit out of Norman and then escapes. Because he clearly was coming to talk to Paco. Mm -hmm. And Norman's like, oh, fuck. (laughs) Yes, enormous dude in, like, covered up face. Yeah, gets his ass beat so hard. And then later, as long as Norman survives, he's able to go through his AR and has a video recording of the entire fight. Oh, he does. So you can go frame by frame of the fight until you find clues in the fight seat. It's, oh wow that's where i figured it that's out. where you learned this is the moment i figured it out everything okay see yeah. i didn't get that scene at all yeah so i got see to... for me madison uh i think the guy was having like a heart attack or some shit was wanting his pills mm-hmm. and i had madison just dip on him it was like nah so it looks like when if norman was still alive he comes in and saves the guy's life I don't, for him i feel him. like he didn't though oh okay they probably forgot that they left that guy it dying. It might have. It's been a minute and I didn't rewatch this part, but... The I game d- has a lot of plot holes, too. There are, and there's weird time gaps. Can we talk about why there's some plot holes real quick? Yes. Please tell me, Tom. Because in the original script, there was a whole supernatural element going on. There was, like, teleportation, I think? Yeah. There was supposed to be a whole supernatural thing going on, and, like, they made the game with it in, and then the studio saw the supernatural stuff, was like, okay, we need to take out... All the supernatural <laughs> shit. This is way too crazy, y'all. Yeah. So they just removed chunks of this game. And there are times when there are leftovers from those removals yeah. in the game. So there are certain lines of dialogue of like Ethan having these like visions of drowning children and yeah. when he blacks out and stuff like that, which we don't see, but we're a huge part of the supernatural element to the game. Yeah. So that's why we do end up with a lot of plot holes in this game. It's bonkers. Because they're supposed to be supernatural, but then it was taken away. <laughs> and then they said, JK. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's a sequence that I got where I got a huge clue. And you and found I, out. And I made the... You leaves. made the... Okay. Yeah, but... 
We're almost there, everybody. Don't worry. We We're there. on the home stretch. You are going to find out who is the origami killer. The origami killer. <laughs> yeah, Norm can die. Okay. So in he can die in this sequence? He is eligible What, for can death. he get thrown into the fish tank or something? I think he might have. I might have just been mad about the fish tank to be 100. I mean, it would be appropriate for the killer to, like, dunk him in the fish tank and, and drown, drown him. Yeah. <laughs> That would be a very appropriate way to kill. Not mad about that. As the actually. origami killer. The natural sequence of events after this part is that we cut back to Ethan and Madison and they just fuck. Right. Well, you get the option. Oh, I had them fuck. I did not have them fuck. You are so here, lame. Well, here was the thing. I was like, it, it was one of those situations, again, where they showed me the face of Madison, but I was playing as Ethan. So they put the burden of turning it down on Ethan more than anything. So Madison makes the move and you as Ethan have to decide whether you want it to happen or not. Personally, I was more hoping Ethan would make the move and I as Madison can turn him down. That's more what I wanted to do. Yeah. But the game didn't give me that option, so I had to turn it down as Ethan. As a gentleman. As a gentleman. Because at the end of the day, he's like, I'm trying to find my fucking kid every minute that it rains he gets closer to death and like i don't have time to think about fucking this journalist right now right but anyway so you had him fuck yeah i definitely had him fuck (laughs) which was dope okay Um, and they fuck next to the bed not on the bed they fuck on the ground next on the ground of this shitty motel where there's definitely been heroin needles can i tell you so since you didn't go down this road, I don't think you got it, but there's sequences where Madison's trying to take Ethan's shirt off, and he keeps going, ah! Like, if you <laughs> fuck up the quick time event, you just hurt him. Because <laughs> all his bones are broken. There's nothing sexy about trying to have sex with a very injured person. He's covered in ointment. He's gonna smell weird. <laughs> Give him a week, sis. He's Damn. so bruised and beaten up. He's missing part of a finger. He's openly bleeding on her. <laughs> and she's like, yeah. She's like, let me, me sit on a, it. Finger me with a good hand. Like, <laughs> and I was like, show me the pixel nipples. Yes. <laughs> All right. So they bone down or don't. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, it, it matters to the ending. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. It's rough. So we're going to count back to Scott. And oh, this good. Is, this is your favorite sequence of Scott's. We get there. So he basically gets kidnapped mm-hmm. with Laura. Yeah. And thrown in a car. And thrown in a fucking car by... um. But the billionaire, um, billionaire the dad, yeah, he, he, like uh, he's hired some people to kidnap them and put them in the car to kill them. Yeah, he's got goons. Because he doesn't want them chasing after his son anymore. Right. He's like, can you leave me alone? We, this is done and buried. Wrong choice of words? Maybe. Sorry. Bye. They kidnap them, throw them in the car and throw them in the fucking water. And so you as Scott and like Laura's unconscious next to you completely completely out cold next to you and as scott like you got to break out of the car and it's very similar to the scene where i got norman killed so i'm sure the pressure was on you extra oh yeah so this time i immediately went for the fucking glove compartment you and i know where this is (laughs) yeah and this time it was all i had to do was shake up and down on the damn steering wheel this time which was like why didn't that work last time right but anyway so he breaks out and then he's like okay now what because the car's starting to fill up with water right and you can't get your own door open so you to like reach across Laura to get out of her door. Neither of us managed to. Um, we both killed Laura. We both killed Laura. So, it, but it was very confusing because uh, I thought she'd be fine. 
because like we were saying before, the way the game is designed with the like push X here, push up, push down, push R1, you're basically looking at the car door and you've got all these little options of what you can do. Like at the door handle, there's R1. At the window, there's this one. Yeah, so it is not clear what you have to do first or what your action will be based on what you push. Right. So like I just pushed a button and he went out the car door and left Laura. So I was like, oh, I, I wanted to save Laura, but didn't i guess we're gonna leave her to die that's that's what happened to me i thought i could maybe get out and pull her or like she'd wake up and swim after me totally she just stayed out nope she went down and she drowned so scott's pissed he goes straight to the like billionaire dude straight to the top and busts down his door and uh, he kills fucking everybody in the mansion like he goes through like that scene in Django Unchained where he's just like going through gunning like boom 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 everybody you see he just one shot kills mm -hmm. everybody he goes full berserker rage mode like fuck high noon and there's like this. 35 guards in this mansion and it's the most badass scene and it's again it's more like a telltale game so it's not like you're actually aiming or anything you're doing quick time events but it oh, feels good it feels real good and you're just scott just like murdering the shit out of everybody and i love it so you get up to the billionaire guy's room and everything and you're in your harassing him and shit he's like okay okay i'm sorry my son killed one person <laughs> like that's supposed to make it better he wanted to copycat the actual origami killer okay he failed miserably he clearly got caught i protected him i'm sorry yada 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 so like it's like this whole thing so it's okay the kid's not the origami killer yeah he did kill someone he's a copycat killer and they paid the family off clearly because they dropped all the charges mm -hmm. but like you're still a shithead totally a shithead and he tried to have Scott and the woman and Laura killed and actually got Laura killed. So yeah, they're all terrible. And you again, I think you have the option of killing him or leaving him be or whatever. I let him die. Yeah. I let him die. Yeah. So it's, it's so much fun. Cause you, you remember, he's just like kind of a grandpa with asthma. Right. And he, then he you're just, like, holy shit. And then he just goes through and wrecks house. Right. He was a cop. Active yeah. Duty. <laughs> and it's the coolest fucking scene in the game. <laughs> So as we're all getting closer to the origami killer, we cut to Madison, who is in the in this nursing home, mm -hmm. who finds this woman who was the mother of the young boy who died at the construction site 40 years ago. Correct. That allegedly inspired the origami killer. So now the big question everybody's having is what happened to the other kid, the right. kid that lived? They can't find any trace of what happened to this kid. Yeah. And they're like, he's clearly the killer. <laughs> All they've basically gotten was that he was adopted immediately after his brother died. So he has a different name. Yeah, so he's got a different name. We don't know where what happened to him. So they're going to the mom to try to figure out what was this kid's name at the very least. You would know what his adopted name is was like yeah. ended up becoming and stuff like that. And she's got Alzheimer's, of course. And it's a heartbreaking scene. Like, it is very sad. You've got to go through pictures. You've got to do a lot of convincing. You've got to go through like all these like memories of this old woman to try to get her to remember her kids. Yeah, I think you have to pretend to be her nurse for a second and like get her water or some shit. Yeah, because as a mom, too, she's very devastated that one of her children died. Oh, absolutely. And then the other one was taken away from her. Yeah. In her mind, as an old person, she's like, I only ever had one kid and he died. Right. I didn't have a second kid. Like, that's what she keeps saying. But then we keep getting, like, over and over again. Like, she starts to slowly remember. And then, finally, it clicks in her head, and she whispers into Madison's ear. And we don't fucking hear it. And we don't get to hear. And here's the thing. 
we know as the people playing the game, Madison has never met this person. Right. And but she has this look of like, holy shit, it's him. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> but she way. has never even heard this fucking person's name before. She's only met like one person in the game. She's only ever met Ethan. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's the only character she, she's met. She kind of saw Norman when he was chasing her in the subway, but like maybe from afar. Yeah. Like not even a really good look at him. Just totally. Like, I think that guy's probably a cop. Bye. Totally. It's trash. So we have all these big chunks of like kind of. I was reading closer to the killer. Like, mm-hmm. Scott can be like, reasonably, that little, the fucking construction family probably only killed one kid, so that's not where we're going. Right. Like, Madison's like, cool, I found this kid's mom and I think I can track it down from here. Right. So I'm going to go through like the archives and shit. So she figures that out. So she goes to this person's apartment. Fuck. And again, like, in the beginning, Madison's really kind of worthless. She gets more and more badass as this game goes on. She does. She becomes way more badass as the game goes on. She goes from a nurse to an actual investigator. So, I'm trying to think of the sequence of events and how they revealed who the killer was. Because it was, we got to see if, here's what it was. There was a flashback to the two little kids again. Because the first flashback to the two little kids when the one kid died in the pipe ends very abruptly he says go get help and then it just cuts back to the old man he goes and he never got help (laughs) (laughs) it's great (laughs) yeah so then we go back to him trying to get help and then coming back and kind of holding his brother as he dies yeah and he the whole point is that the the kid that lives runs to his dad and his dad basically like slaps him and is like fucking leave me alone i don't give a shit about you yeah he tries to get help from the dad and and he's like dad "Dad, please he's dying you have to come and his dad's like fuck off i'm drunk and just yeah he doesn't come to help he thinks he's just fucking around and he'll be fine yeah and so he's whole he literally holds his brother's hand as he dies and just as his brother dies he goes don't ever forget me scotty and that's when it all falls into place. Next, we cut to Scott, like, burning evidence. Evidence he pulled from the parents who lost the kids that he murdered. So basically what he had been doing was going around collecting all those origami boxes that he had sent to all those families. Because everybody got the same box that Ethan got. But apparently none of them actually opened any of the origamis to figure out what the first like task was. It's implied that some of them may have started. May have started and failed. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And that's why some of them don't want to talk about it. Because they're like, I've actually got my kid killed. I went through the coward door. Like when we, we get one box where the only one they have in there is the lizard. Oh, okay. So they opened the bear for the car one. They opened the butterfly for the electric one. But... They didn't open the lizard, so it's like, something happened there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you so tried. He was really just going around collecting his old evidence and destroying it. How fucked good is that, though? Oh, it's so good. And it explains why he went after the kid, because it's like, wait, I didn't kill that kid, but I'm getting blamed. Like, my serial killer persona is getting blamed for this murder. You fucked up my, my average, dude. What's this story? So, like, that's why he went and investigated that kid and stuff, and, yeah. and like, why he pursued that the whole time. Yeah. He's also the one who killed the little old man with the typewriter. My moment friend! Which makes no sense because they were friends. And then he yeah. killed him because he did have his name on that list of like suspects and everything. And so it's just, oh, to find out Scotty was the killer the whole time, like ripped me to shreds because this was my favorite fucking character. And we had just gone through like the most amazing sequence with him like ever. So now we've got Scotty destroying evidence and he, um, and Madison busts in through the door, essentially. Like, I know who you are. You're the, the killer. 
So, just to backtrack a second. Yeah. To the sequence that you missed with Norman. Oh, no. I got. So, when you're going through the files and the fight sequence, mm-hmm. you see that the killer has a big watch on. Oh, okay. It is the same watch that Norman sees at the police station. Oh. And he asked the receptionist about that watch, and she goes, whenever a cop retires, we buy them a watch. And it's oh, the same watch. Oh, okay. All we know about Scott is that he's a retired cop. Got you. That's how you figured That's it out. That's how I figured it out. Is like, that watch means he's specifically a retired cop from this precinct, because when he goes to the precinct later, Carter Blake busts him out and goes, you're good, Scotty. We got you. We love you. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was like, fuck, it's Scott. <laughs> <That's> the only <laughs> retired cop we know. They would not introduce a second retired cop at this point. You because know? the red herring of the entire game, and again, it's because the supernatural got cut out. You're supposed to kind of believe Ethan's in this Tyler Durden, like blackout state, and he's the serial killer. Right. And he even starts to believe he might be the serial killer. He's like, did I kill my kids? Yeah, because he's like, I keep waking up with these origami figures, and I don't know how I got there kind of stuff like I I can't remember doing this so he's wondering if he's a serial killer especially because it started two years ago like right after his kid died and shit like when he was blacking out when he was blacking out and so that's the red herring of the entire game and it ends up being that it was Scotty the whole time and the secondary red herring is the playboy kid is the playboy kid yeah absolutely who's just a rich piece of shit who wants to feel something problem is Norman still believes the red herring yeah so on drugs he still thinks that Ethan is the origami killer. So he's after Ethan. Madison's after Scotty. Ethan's trying to find his fucking kid. And Ethan, depending on where you were, like, you completed most of the trials, right? Yes. The only ones I didn't do was I didn't shoot the drug dealer. So I I got four out of five. And we're coming up on the very last trial as well. Correct. It's like the next sequence after this. The next sequence after this. Okay, cool. So... Let's go into the trial first. Okay. Let's finish out the trial because I think the Madison stuff is really important and, and like, completes the whole round Yeah, out. so like the game, we're going to jump around. The last trial is a rat, mm-hmm. and he goes to this room, which is basically, is it 2001 Space Odyssey? Yeah. And it's a completely white room and, like, bottom lit and shit. I've been into one that they did in Highland Park in L.A. Oh, okay. I have pictures from it. It's cool. So the trial here is you're going to get the last digits of the address of where your kid is in the hangman. If you drink this poison, this poison will kill you in 60 minutes. Yeah. In, in one hour, you will be dead, but you will have enough time to save your child. And I said, bottoms up, bitch. You'll be able to say goodbye. Then you will die. Yeah. But your kid will be safe. Right. So you said bottoms up, bitch. Yep. And I said, no, I think I'm going to figure this out regardless <laughs> of if I have the information or not. So I dipped out. I was like, no, I'm not going through all this just to fucking die in an hour. Yeah. This is bullshit. So I dipped out. That's funny. So that's why the next sequence I think is important because Madison then goes in after Scotty. Right. They go through a whole sequence as well, right? There's a whole fight thing. There's like a chase around the apartment. Yeah, he like rolls up on her investigating. Yeah, she's like, that's right. She doesn't bust in on him, but she is in his apartment and he comes in on her. Yeah. Yeah. And she she like finds his little murder room and everything. Like he's got like- A little, like, locked room behind a door, like a wall or something like that. We didn't even know that existed. We never saw that at any point in the game. So it's, like, this little secret room with all his information and everything. And she manages to get the address to where um, the kid is being kept. Right. Like, she has it definitively and 100%. And Scotty is heading over there right now to go, like, watch the kid die, essentially. Because he doesn't think Ethan's going to get there. For the finale. 
for the finale. Right. And so she calls Ethan and says, I have the information. This is the address. Go there now. In my sequence, I think you were able to call Norman or Ethan. Oh, okay. Who'd you call? Ethan. Ethan. Yeah. Yeah. I don't give a fuck about Norman. No. I hate Norman. I'm kind of mad he lived in mine and died. In <laughs> He's the worst. Yeah, I got him killed as soon as he could die. Yeah. Um. So in the sequence, it is possible for Madison to die. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yes, she is absolutely possible for Madison to die. Oh, wow. In the sequence. Okay. I mean, it makes sense. Basically, everything after trial four, everyone's up for. Everyone's death. up for death. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Everyone can die, including Sean. Yeah. Yeah. Which yes. is the little boy that's drowning currently. Right. Uh, any character you've met at this point can fucking die. So we get to the construction site where the kid whoa, whoa, is. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, you we're made not there? a jump. Where, what was You this? said Madison called, got the address, and just act like this bitch get, survives an explosion. Oh my god, I forgot the explosion. How? I totally forgot the explosion. So she's in Scott's murder panic room. Right. And he locks her in. And sets the apartment on fire. Completely sets his apartment on fire like he's just like i guess this is my last one fuck it that's right he says the whole fucking place ablaze sorry it's getting late now and i'm starting and like we've been talking for a while yeah <laughs> but so yeah the whole place goes up in fire and like you gotta go th- like window to window like i'm looking out the windows and it's all like well we're on the third floor i could probably die if i jumped from up here and i'm not gonna do that what'd you do i jumped oh did you yeah was, okay it was fine she was fine she's fine yeah i didn't jump what do you do, Tom? How did you survive this? Because there, um, it shows you that there's he like lights the gas. I think. Oh yeah. So he clearly knows it's gonna blow up. It's not just it's on fire. He's like this is gonna blow up and destroy evidence. Right. So that's the whole plan at this point. It c- jumps into that comic panel screening where there's a corner that kind of shows the gas floating in the apartment and stuff. The yeah. Getting higher. Yeah. So the urgency is very there. You can see that the fire is getting worse and we're about to explode. Yeah. And it's almost like a timer, essentially. Yeah, so you can... And again, these are very real permadeath situations, so you can just run the clock and die. So I make it all the way up into the living room where the front door is, and I see two doors, and I can't remember which one's the front door, so I have an option of two doors, and I open one, and I go in it, and close it behind me, and lock it, and I'm in the kitchen. Oh, honey. And I'm like, fuck. This is not what I wanted. Now I'm in the kitchen, and I can see that the gas is, like, about to go. Like, I am, like seconds away from dying yeah and i can't see anything and the only option i have is to open the refrigerator and you get in the fucking refrigerator you clear it out you get in and shut the door and then you see the apartment explode entirely while you're in the fridge while you're in the fridge and the next shot is just her like on the ground, stumbling to her motorcycle. Jaunting away from a crime scene. Like, as if she wasn't just in a refrigerator that got blown up. Where else have you seen that, um, let's call it a visual exercise, where you hide in a fridge to escape an explosion? Like Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? Which came out two years before this? Yes, two years prior. What the fuck, game? Why did they make this decision? Like, that went down as being called Nuke the Fridge. Like jumping the shark as in doing something so fucking stupid and ridiculous you kind of kill the whole project right it's just done so so they decided to go with that option we'll do that one yep. we're gonna nuke the fridge throw it in towards the end yeah right towards the end so now we are all colliding at the construction site where sean is being kept yes um oh you know as a note if ethan is in jail after that one other se- after the previous sequence, uh-huh. he does not get the option to do the rat poison scene. Oh damn! Yeah, 
Okay. I think he just gets released and then he runs over. Okay. But yeah, if he's in jail, he doesn't get that, which oh, is wild. Damn. The, they're real actions, which I do appreciate. It's not like Telltale where you're still following a basic storyline. Yeah, and totally. you divert a little bit. This is like, you can whole ass change a bunch of shit. Yeah, totally. So everyone's going to this construction site where Sean is in a pit and he's like chained in this pit. And the water's starting to get up towards his face, so he's about to drown. You're right. I don't think he's chained, but there's a gate that's, like, over oh, the top it of is? it. Yeah, it's, he, like, I locked. I know he's, like, trapped. It's a locked gate that's over the top of it, so got you gotta, it. like, get the lock off and shit. But, so Sean gets, or, uh, sorry. Ethan. Ethan gets there, and Madison gets there? Yes. Shortly after him. Shortly after him. And then Scotty shows up. Oh! Scotty knew. And Scotty gets there and he says, you know, I've been waiting for the one parent who could finally get to this point. Mm. Like the one parent who actually would sacrifice and do everything possible to save their child. I've done this so many times and no parent has ever gotten this far. It's just, it's just a callback again to... John Lithgow's season of fucking Dexter. Oh, right. It's the same shit. Yeah. It's probably why I like that season of Dexter so much and this game. Like, it's, yeah. one, it's just baby boys figuring out their own fucking therapy shit when they should have just gone to a medical professional <laughs> instead <laughs> right. of murdering children. Seriously, though. Just playing out their own childhood trauma with their parents and shit over and over again. Right. Like, teaching parents they need to be better parents. It's so good. And that's the thing, is, like, I didn't think Ethan was a good parent. Remember what, at the beginning, we, we, you asked me, do I think Ethan's a good parent? No. <laughs> but according to Scotty's scale, he's the best parent, so... She's like, you deserve that <laughs> world's best dad mug. So then he pulls a gun on Ethan and is like, I'm gonna kill you now. Which, what?! Yeah. You just found the perfect parent. What was your You've plan? already poisoned him. Like, what? what He's only you... got 48 minutes left, dude. What are you doing? You didn't shave 20 off? So, now remember, in my game, Officer Norman is dead. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, well, okay. So what does he do in yours? So, in my game, right before you go to the construction site, I don't even know if I told you this. No. He goes through all his clues and he goes, I gotta figure it out. Because... Madison doesn't call him. Mm -hmm. No one is reaching out to him with information. He doesn't know where he's supposed to go. <laughs> so he opens up his AR shit, and there's a point where you can say, quit, and close the AR. Uh -huh. I quit, close the AR, and it made him quit the case. He quits the case? <laughs> yeah. Wait, what? He didn't show up at the end. He didn't? No. Oh my god, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. My Norman, I just hated being him so much. I closed everything out and it was like, are you sure you want to stop investigating? And I said, yeah. You I thought, abandoned the case. Because I thought it would just close the AR and I could figure out a different way to get there. Right. He didn't. He just fucking quit. He quits the entire investigation. So my last sequence was the same as yours. It was similar to mine. It was just Madison and Ethan and Scotty. Scott. Oh, okay. I well, don't then, think I told you that. Damn. I didn't know that at all because like, we watched the recap too. And, yeah, in this sequence, Norman actually, like, tackles Scott while he's holding the gun. Yeah, if you're able to get Madison to give him the address, or if he's able to get it in a different sequence, okay. he'll show up. But mine just didn't have that. He just that. quit the fucking investigation. He just fucking quit the investigation. All right, that's great. Yeah, so, in mine, uh, Scott immediately shoots Ethan. 
Mm-hmm. And in the chest, and Ethan falls over, and then Madison and Scott have just the most epic chase sequence. I think that that's what happens in mine. They start chasing each other over construction equipment and like up in cranes and shit. Yeah, they go up into cranes, and it's like it's it's very exciting. And he's like Freddy Krueger; he just keeps showing up and shit. Oh right, or right, Michael, Michael Myers. Myers. Yeah. yeah, very Michael Myers, just like big. unrelenting and just nonstop, and he's just so big and imposing and strong it's so good he's so strong and remember we just went through that whole sequence of him like murdering the shit out of everybody in that mansion so like we know how badass he is but also madison's pretty fucking badass in this whole sequence oh yeah she's ducking and diving and shit and she ends up out at the end of this crane and like he's holding a gun at her and then you hear a gunshot go off Scott falls off the tower and there's Ethan standing there with a gun like behind him, like shot him and killed him. Yeah. And he's just like, can I go home? And so then he like rushes back down and opens the grate to get his son out of the fucking thing, pulls the kid out and he's fucking dead. He's just laying there completely like he's pumping on his chest, breathing on him, everything and just fucking done. And then it zooms out. And then they zoom back in. The kid starts fucking coughing. <laughs> it is so obnoxious. I'm like, fuck you, game. No way. I, I really thought like I took too long because I tend to do that in this game. You've I done was, that a few times. I took game. too long a few times. So I was like, you little fucking piece of shit. And then, yeah. I'm going to kill you for real. Yeah. Like I wanted to toss his ass back in the goddamn water. And so, yeah, the kid survives and. Everyone can die in the finale. Wow. So the you can kill Sean. You can kill Sean. There's opportunity for every single person to die, including the kid. Right. But so. I'm sure that's always the ending where you think he's dead if it, he is going to live. Though. Yeah, yeah. But he could die. Okay. Dead well, ass. that's good. So that's Heavy Rain. And that's Heavy Rain. But there's some epilogue stuff because we have very different epilogues. Yes. Yeah. And which I really enjoyed. So your epilogues were... Go ahead. So my epilogues were because I had Ethan and Madison fuck... They fell in love and bought an apartment, and they're moving in with Sean. Okay. Um, Norman, because he rage quit, was like, you know, the force isn't for me. And he turns in his AR, like, fucking glove and sunglasses and is like, I'm going to retire. Oh, my gosh. I'm fucking over it. Okay. Um, and Scott ends up in jail. Mm. No, no, Scott's dead. Yeah, dead. Yeah, Scott's just dead, and he's they just show his um, tombstone. With the flower on it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think he, or, or like or, or origami piece. Some too. shit like that. I yeah. think he has the origami and, and the flower, that same flower. And that the is. orchid, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, so really great ending for Madison and Ethan. And uh, I, this is technically the best one for um, Norman. That's the best one for Norman? Technically. Really? Is that the best one for, for Ethan and. Yeah. Really? Because I disagree. I actually prefer the ending that I got for all of them. Because mm-hmm. one. I didn't have them end up together because she don't need no man. Hell yeah. As far as I'm concerned. Also, with that haircut. She butch. Yeah. And that's fine. So we go Ethan and Sean moving into a new apartment together. And it's just the two of them. And they're very happy. And like, it's a big, like, you know, it's more of a loft than anything. You know, it's, it's very industrial looking and, but it's like huge space, easily like 1800 square feet up on like the 20th Mm. floor. Like he's, he's doing fine now and they're all happy and they just like are making their plans. Then we go to Madison in a bookstore and her book about the origami killer is like a number one bestseller and she's doing a book signing. Aww. And so as she's doing a book signing, the guy goes, I want you to make it out to Johnny, which was the name of the little boy that drowned at the beginning Aww. of the game. That was Scotty's brother. And she just does like, I don't think she thinks anything of it. And then the next guy comes up and he goes, 
You deserve a better adversary. And then she looks up and the guy's fucking gone. The game is afoot. And then it just like zooms out and she's just like sitting there like, what the fuck just happened? And then, yeah, then I had to say, uh, oh no, for Norman, since he's dead, um, his old partner. He gets glasses, right? He gets the glasses and the glove and he puts it on. He's like, oh, this is cool. And he gets like really excited about it. And then it just cuts away from him. And then, yeah, I got the same Scotty ending as yours. That's funny. Yeah. Um, and that's interesting on Madison's because they did release DLC that just followed her. Really? Yeah, it takes place two years before Heavy Rain, but it's her investigating someone. And the DLC is called The Taxidermist. Oh. So I'm just going to extrapolate what the fuck that means. Damn. It's some bad shit. Okay. So there's that. That's we, fascinating. We should play through that. Yeah. We'll do a mini-sode. I didn't even know that existed. So I'm going to read you off some of the endings we didn't get. So okay. Basically, if anyone dies... The ending, you get their um, headstone. Okay. Um, if Scotty dies and Laura lives, she goes to his grave and spits on it. Oh, that's <laughs> and great. And like, fuck you. <laughs> like, deserve. Yeah. She's like, not here. I teamed up with you and you killed my kid. There's one where Sean dies and Ethan is in jail and gets the whole murder pinned on him and all the murders pinned on him. And then he hangs himself in his jail cell. Holy shit. Yeah. You see him like in an orange jumpsuit being like... Fuck am I doing? I'm out of here. Commit suicide. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there's one where Sean dies and Ethan lives and Madison lives and they just kind of make out in the rain and they go, all right, bygones be bygones. Let's roll out. My kid's dead, whatever. Yeah. Oh my God. But he's not in jail. So he's like, okay, it's chill, I guess. Let's cruise out. Um, there's one where Ethan is arrested and Sean lives. So Sean is like, my dad didn't fucking kill me. It's this big ass dude. Yeah. And also, I'm alive. Still, we're like, no, you did it. No, Sean gets him freed. Oh, he does. Yeah. Oh, okay, good. Yeah, which is great. There's one really great one where Scott and Lauren both live. Scott's walking down the street. Lauren rolls up on him and is like, fuck you. I told you when we met, I wanted to kill the person who took my boy away from me and shoots him in the fucking head. Holy shit. On the street. Okay, that's the best ending. That is dope as fuck. That's the best ending by far. Yeah, like my dumb ass got Scott killed. I don't know how you get Scott to not die. Yeah, right? Like you must have Madison die then. Like, I wonder if Madison and Ethan and Norman all die. You can get Scott to live. Yeah. And get away with it. So kind of like a departed ending. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone dies. Yeah. Just like the departed. Oh, yeah, and in my ending, Norman quits doing drugs. Oh, he does? Yeah. Mine didn't have an opportunity to quit. Because he just died. There's one where Norman is rolling his ass off on his drugs, gets in his AR, starts tripping balls, and then just dies in an OD. Oh, my God. Talking to himself. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> There's one where his cop partner takes his AR device stuff, puts it on, and is like, this is cool. And then he starts talking to Norman who lives inside of the AR. Did that happen in your Yes, that okay, did that happen in mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did come into the, like, Norman was in the AR world And he's him. like, yo. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. So, a big range of endings here. Everyone can die, which I really adore about this game. Again, Supernatural was supposed to exist. In yeah. This, so, Norman living inside of the VR world wouldn't be that out of norm. Ew. You got there. It's it, late. We're real tired. So tired. But All this right. is fun. So... I mean, I have a great, I have good memories of this game. I don't think I had fun playing it. Right. Because the quick time events are annoying and difficult in points, but the story is so fun. It's so unique at the very least, you can say. Like, I've never played a game quite like it. If they did this as Bandersnatch on Netflix, it'd be so fucking cool. So much better. Yeah. And just cast real people, like. Yeah, that'd be really neat. I agree. Yeah. 
would you play this again? I don't know. Because, like, for me, like I said, it was only about a three-hour playthrough without Norman being in, like, the majority of the game. But, like, would you do, like, a mayhem where you try and get everyone killed? Where you try and get everyone Oh, absolutely. I would Just to see how, how you know I love a good. You, I would, you know how much I love a good mayhem run. But I also would love to try to do, like, a perfect run. I want to try to get, like, Scotty to live. Like, now that I find out we can get him to live. He technically dies. But yeah. I would like to see that ending, though. Like, that'd be a great ending to have. Like, and, yeah. like, I want to earn it. I don't like just watching the YouTube video of how it's supposed to go. Like, yeah, you have to find that ending. That one's something I'd want to earn. You have to earn it. Yeah. I kind of want to get Ethan arrested just to see how that affects Just to all. see him get su- suicide? No, no, within the game. So he, like, gets to skip out on a trial and, like, loses a couple scenes because he got arrested and Oh, stuff. okay. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, would you have slept with Madison in your version now that you know how the endings work out? No, I, like I said, I think it's a better ending without sleeping with Madison because she gets to go off and be like a successful book publisher. Like, you know, like she she goes off and lives her dream. Yeah. And in the other one, she goes off and lives Ethan's dream. Oh, I like that. Good for you. Yeah. So I'd she rather her go him. off and live her own dream. Would you play a sequel to this if that was an option? Following Madison and like the clue that that guy's saying you deserve a better adversary. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. I'd play another immediately. I would play an absolute another like serial killer game from this like storyline. Do you like this game? See, the gameplay sucks, but yeah. the story is awesome. It's like a Michael Bay movie, you know? It's Except it's opposite, like the story's trash, but like the fu- the effects are fun. You uh guilt play it. I guess you could say guilt watch okay. it, hate watch it. Yeah. You know, you uh This definitely isn't a hate play it's for a me. It's a guilty but it, pleasure, I would say. This is I mean, the irony is it's a very good rainy day game. Like, I was sick for a day and just had True. to stay on the couch, and it was fun to binge. Yeah. I was in the mood for it. I wanted something spooky, but, like, light, so I didn't have to try too hard if I was sneezing or coughing. Totally. I like this game. I wouldn't play it again for another four months. I would recommend somebody play it, though. Yes. You, would, you get why I tried to push you on I it? I would absolutely tell people to play this game. Like, no questions asked. I'm like, you need to at least experience this shit, because it's, it's... Yeah. Fucking crazy. It is an experience for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, Goombas. Goombas. It's been so good and it's been so long. Like, we're so happy to be here and tell these stories and share them with you. And we have a lot more coming up. Our schedules are a little crazy, but they're so much crazier than they used to be as we get older. And so we're sorry that the updates aren't as regular as we wanted them to be. You know, the attempt is definitely 10 at a time, like 10 weeks in a row, and then maybe a bit of a break. So. We were pretty consistent with that the last two seasons, and we'll see how we do on this one. Until then, we'll see you next time. We'll see you, Goombas. Bye. Level two is you're with your eldest son at a mall. You're supposed to watch him. You lose track of him. He gets run over by a car. Level three is a year later. You're in your tiny, shitty apartment because your marriage has fallen apart. I paid to have this experience, by the way. Sixty dollars I pay. And it's the weekend you get your son, the other one, the one that didn't die because of your negligence, you know?